You're listening to Bickering Peaks. Welcome to Bickering Peaks, the podcast with the most semantic arguments per 60 minutes. <laughs> semantic arguments? Yeah. What do we argue about? All the time. You always say like, oh, you know, you're getting semantic again. Semantic. Pedantic. 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 Whatever. Pedantry. Shut Pedantry? up. Shut up. <laughs> Quiet. Just because you're right and I'm wrong. Once again, my memory, as we all know, terrible. I'm dying. This is awesome. Right off the bat. We're off to a good you're start. You're my favorite person <laughs> on the planet. Do you know that? That's why you married me. Welcome to Bickering Peaks, the Twin Peaks podcast equivalent of a karate chop to the throat by Douglas the Cobra Jones. That's what I'm calling him from now on. He's the the Cobra. Cobra. I like it. Yeah. That would be his boxing nickname. Yeah. Yeah. Or his Hitman nickname. Or his Hitman nickname. Yeah. It'd be... Mr. C. (gasps) New theory. Cobra snakeskin... It's the same man the whole time. No, that's terrible. I know. You know what? Actually, that's that's a theory that is actually going oh, around. Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, we shouldn't make fun of it too much because who knows? It might be true. It's probably not true. It's probably not true. When was that picture supposedly taken in Ipanema? Real. I don't know. It, okay. They it, didn't specify it didn't time? Say. Okay. didn't say. Okay. All right. There's been no time frames mentioned, really, except nope. for 25 years. Yeah. So, Lindsay, we're here to talk about part seven. There's a body, all right? There's a body, all right. What are your thoughts on this new episode? I loved this episode so much. It was so incredible. Um, I think the first two-thirds, I I don't recall much of anything aside from being so totally absorbed in the story and just looking at you and being like, oh, my God, what's happening? Oh, my God, is this really happening? We had so many amazing reveals. Um, it was just... Mind blowing. Mm-hmm. The last third, I'm gonna say, was was a little bit of a letdown, but I I see what what was going on. Like, and I keep reminding myself, this is, I mean, pro- probably this is the start of Act Two, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, things are are a little, they're still slow. They're not completely wrapping up all these threads, but you can see where some things are starting to go. And we'll get into that, I think, a bit mm-hmm. in our um, in our discussion. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, that first. The first 40 minutes or so? Yeah, Holy yeah. crap. They're all the plot lines that I'm most interested in, really. Yes. And they all move forward drastically this yeah. episode. So, yeah, hugely. Yeah. What did you think? Uh, I agree. Absolutely. I thought, um, like you said, this is how I kind of feel like acts, Act 2 should be. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's plot lines are not just moving forward, but they're almost like coagulating. Like they're touching on each other. You get the... The key is arriving back in the Great Northern, and uh, Major Briggs is discovered by the the Air Force, and you know the FBI are going to be called in, and all these things are, are moving. Um, and I feel like we're starting to focus on the plots that are going to matter, and the plots that have been on the periphery are improving in interest level, I guess is how I would describe it. Well, yeah, it. it's almost like as they touch those those central stories, mm-hmm. they gain... Well, maybe they gain prominence or interest because of their relation 
all of a sudden to the bigger stories that we're more interested in. Mm -hmm. Like I'm thinking of Beverly and Tom Page, right? Which it seems like a throwaway story. Like why are we being introduced to brand new characters and their lives? But but because of her relationship with Ben and and that humming noise in the Great Northern, all of a sudden it's it's interesting. I want to know more about her home life, mm-hmm. which is weird. It's, exactly. it's it's a weird feeling to have. Yeah, I think even uh, Richard Horn, his appearance in the last episode, yes. compared to this one, um, he wasn't in this. He's one. not in this one. He's a peripheral <laughs> figure on, in the farmer and Harry sure. and their their kind of interactions. But I still want to see where that plot line's going in relation to all the other terrible things that are happening in right. Twin Peaks right. and that ominous layer of. Yeah. What's coming. Yeah. Um, and closely related, I feel, is the pacing of the mysteries. Right. Um, and here we're getting some, uh, you know, the show is all about the mysteries. And in this episode, we got the resolution of quite a few. What is Diane like? We finally right. got her talking yes. and she's awesome. Um, we got a little bit more of what is Doppelkoop up to. Um, a little bit. A little bit. Um <laughs> But, it, you know, as but some of them, yeah, they're just getting deeper. Like, Do- Doppelkoop really is just getting uh, getting started, really. Right. We really don't know what's going on with him and Mr. Strawberry. Yep. Uh, what he's going to do with Ray. Right. Um, you know, there's still lots of stuff going on there, but we are getting other ones solved. And mm-hmm. I feel like the pacing of those mysteries, you know, we started off with the New York thing, and then it really didn't get solved until the second episode. Mm-hmm. And as we've just been adding more and more mysteries, like uh, Dr. Jacoby and the Shovels, what's up right. with that? It took three episodes for us to find out about that. Yeah. But now I feel like we're hitting the stride of, as new ones are being introduced, we're getting bigger payoffs on the ones that are that are being discovered. Right, right? Like, like this episode, finding out what was in the pages that Hawk found mm-hmm. in the bathroom, which was, that's, I mean, John Thorne put it correctly. He says that this is, this is the payoff that, that Uber fans have been waiting for, that yeah. fans later coming down the road, you know, maybe 10 or 15 years down the road, won't have this moment. Like, yeah. seeing that payoff yeah. after 25 years, yeah. that Laura did write that in her diary, was incredible. Yes. That was such a cool moment. Amazing, yes. Such and, a cool moment. And just, I mean, even as we knew, we knew, or of we were watching, we knew it was going to yeah. come, but it didn't lessen it at all. No, not at to all. To see them discover it. Yeah. And, you know, Hawk's giving his analysis of, yeah. well, it's probably Leland who left, dropped the pages right. and stuff, which I'm still not sold on, but it's an option, right? Yeah. And one we hadn't really considered previously, which yeah. does make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like, in a sense, it, it's, again, it's playing into that 18-hour movie part mm-hmm. in a lot of respects. Um, you know, we were getting one-off scenes in something like Mulholland Drive, like the, the scene at the... Winkies. Uh, yeah, Winkies, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's a one-off thing. You have no idea why it's there feels odd and strange but thematically it feels whole well and, it, and now we're a, getting that for whole storylines exactly here. and in a film that's 90 minutes long a scene like that eats up so much of your time and it seems kind of pointless even though it's great and you want it um it 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 doesn't necessarily lead somewhere that is useful in a 90 minute film yeah. unless the, well, it, the purpose yeah. of the film is as an experience which we've talked about that is kind of what you have to do with lynch. how you have yeah. to approach david lynch yeah. But uh, but here with an eighteen hour film, you can have moments like that, and you can have them stretch out. Kind of related to the to the pacing. What I wanted to bring up about pacing is, um, we got to talk about the sweeping scene at the roadhouse, because you know you get you oh, yes. get over two minutes of sweeping, yeah. and it's it's really good. Like it's <laughs> not. I really liked it because it forces you to slow down, and yeah. I think that's part of what. Um, having 18 hours to play with 
you can do that. Yeah. You can waste two minutes. It's well, not a waste exactly. anymore because it after 40 minutes of holy crap, holy crap, holy crap, reveal after reveal and horrible implications for some of these storylines yeah. that we'll get to. Um, and then yeah, Vince let's is like, take whoa, whoa, a let's, let's take a breather. Yeah, let's let's a breather. listen let's to Booker T and the MGs a little yeah. bit and yeah. sweep up some peanut shells <laughs> and just relax. Yeah. And I really appreciated that. Yeah. No, in not retrospect, the not yes. the first time <laughs> when I, we first watched it, I'm like, holy God, like seriously, we can't have more about Annie. We can't have Audrey. We can't have like like thirty seconds of Audrey. Come yeah. on. Yeah. But no. But no. Yes. I'm fine with it. Yes. I really enjoyed it the second time around. I, I, I saw its purpose. Yes. And I feel like uh, a lot of people online had the exact same reaction as we did the first time where they loved the first 40 minutes yeah. and they got to the sweeping scene and they're like, oh, this is this is Lynch being Lynch again. And they didn't enjoy it. And I've read a lot of comments on, especially some of the Facebook groups that I'm a part of. Yeah. They didn't like the return until this episode. Really? Because it finally felt like a Twin Peaks TV, TV series episode well a lot of it is set in Twin Peaks which that is, helps a lot yeah it's also there are active mysteries being worked on yeah. you know it's it's you're getting straightforward plot advancements mm-hmm. which the original series had in spades and it was it was fun and interesting mm-hmm. and it just continued unabated for those first whatever 15 episodes of, of really high quality stuff um, and that's what those first 40 minutes feel like and then yes you get this the sweeping scene and you know, it throws you back onto that roller coaster of okay, well, what's going on now? Is Dougie mm-hmm. going to be better all of a sudden or not? And yeah. and all those uh, long-standing issues that have been bugging people come back. And yeah, I've seen a lot of people who are like, I didn't realize I didn't like the return until I watched this episode. And I thought, yes, this is what I wanted all those years ago. Right. And I feel like it is a big dichotomy between people who really enjoyed just the TV series and didn't really like Fire Walk with me. Or don't like David Lynch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There are a lot of people who just liked... Yeah, the, yeah. the Venn diagram of yes. <laughs> <laughs> is an interesting one. There, yeah. there, And you really do see that a lot. Um, I, I know you've been on Facebook a lot more than I have. I've been on Twitter and Reddit. Um, and it feels like there are people who really, really love David Lynch. Mm-hmm. And there are people who really, really love Twin Peaks. And I'm not sure how many people fit in the middle Mm-hmm. Um, and and love them both, but um, well, like we said, there's always you know there was that the third episode, mm-hmm. the dancing dream, yeah. you know that was a cutoff point for we we just uh, we were at a family gathering of years on the weekend. Yes, your mom, you know she liked Twin Peaks up, up until, until the, that moment. The, up until that and moment. at that moment, my dad took over and watched the rest I of it because he loved it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely yeah that that the show speaks to people differently at different points for mm-hmm. different reasons. Yes. So I'm not, and I'm not surprised this episode kind of, uh, what I am surprised about is that more people weren't completely turned off after last week's, after part six with so much violence and the death of a child, which really mm. did affect a lot of people. We record quite early in the week. It's Monday. Um, the episode aired yeah. not even, well, literally just 24 hours ago. Yeah. And, um, so we didn't last week we got a lot of the reaction after we'd already recorded and there were a lot of people who were really upset but those same people have continued to watch mm-hmm. which um con- considering some of the the like really visceral reactions that people were having I kind of thought that it would turn more people off. Yeah. And it hasn't. So that that was a surprise for me. Um yeah. just today going through um on social media and everything. I feel like uh the violence in especially the return so far has been very stylized but not um i don't know fetishized it's it's i think i've touched on this last episode yeah. even but you know after the boys run over there's a scene of intense grief mm-hmm. some of it as i mentioned amateur some of it very professional mm-hmm. um 
but it is it's not just violence and then you move on there, there there's a sense of of waiting it has, to the it violence. has a, a purpose yeah maybe not so much the death scene for lorraine but no that one is a little gratuitous for yeah. sure but i mean it, it does set the tone of what's coming that, well it, and, and that's that's right? that character being introduced and yeah. i think that's the other important thing that that we have to remember is that um we have so many characters you know in a cast of 217 um known speaking roles or known roles anyway on on the show um each of those characters has to be introduced somehow and this is a really memorable way to introduce yeah. Ike the Spike. Yeah. And he gets a callback this episode. He's he's brought back and uh, and we get another very memorable, memorable scene with him. Mm-hmm. So um, that, I think, it's less about the violence and it's more about setting up that character as violence. Yes. And I think that's there's a, a distinction to be made between, yeah. between that. Yeah, I think it serves both roles and you mm-hmm. can interpret it both ways for mm-hmm. sure. But I feel like that is something that maybe went a little underappreciated last, last week, but... Um, I do want to just before we get into the the episode proper, um, I really want to give a shout out to my colleagues over at the Twenty Five Years Later site. Um, we've been doing some some really cool things over there, and we're, we've got lots of theories and articles and stuff that are coming up weekly. And uh, full disclosure, I am the associate editor, uh, one of two associate editors over there. But um, but I'm really proud of the work that we're doing. And if you are interested in more of the theories that maybe we aren't talking about in depth here on the podcast or that uh, you haven't seen us discussing on Twitter, definitely go check out 25 Years Later site um, because you'll find a lot more there. We had some, some really interesting articles about doppelgangers a couple weeks ago. Um, None at all, really. Like, yeah, our initial analysis of... Uh, whether Nido and American Girl right. were helping Cooper or not. Yes, yeah, you know, that's one of the that. one of the features that I'm that I'm running is the, uh, the Black Lodge White Lodge feature, which is kind of like a debate format. Uh, Aiden and I did we did spar off head to head a couple weeks ago on that mm-hmm. one, but uh, yeah, so definitely go check it out. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, check out the Facebook page. Um, we would we would love to have. Um, interactions with you guys because that's that's really what we're here for on the podcast and and why i'm branching out into writing on this site is just to connect with the community at large and and really get the gears going because this is super fun to be like we're we're seven episodes in or seven parts into an 18 hour extravaganza it may be the last time that we get to do this so it's really cool to just it's fun to just really roll around in it and get messy (laughs) There's a body, all right. You ready to dive in? I am ready. Let's do this. So we start out in the middle of nowhere. Yep. Well, it's in Twin Peaks. It's in the forest, and who's there? Jerry. Yes. Jerry Horn, staring around, uh, feels kind of ominous at the start. Yeah. Then he, he answers his phone or no, calls. No, he calls, he calls well, he Ben. He just presses a button yeah. once, so Well, Ben's on speed dial. Yeah, yeah probably. When, when Jerry's <laughs> high as fuck... He doesn't. He doesn't have the wherewithal to dial yes. a ten-digit number. It's so very true. Ben it's probably just, just a picture of Ben. Yeah, just taps it. Exactly. Um, so yeah, he does call Ben, and he's basically Ben's super worried. Like, what's going on? And he says, oh, "I think I'm high." Yeah. So, but first, he says, "I think someone stole my car." Right. Um, and then yeah, Ben figures out that he's high, and it's it's funny. It's a little tense at the start, and then it just becomes funny. But then at the end, I also felt really sad. Like, yes. I felt really scared for him. Exactly. I, I My last note is, I hope this is not the last time we hear from Jerry. Yeah. Like, I hope yeah. he does not meet as an unfortunate end in the middle of the woods. Cause... And that and what, what stands out for me, um, and it only really hit me after the second watch, is how similar this feels to uh, 
some of the other abduction scenarios that we've been uh, exposed to in the secret history of Twin Peaks or even with Major Briggs with his disappearance in the woods um, in the episode with Cooper when they go mm-hmm. night fishing yeah. um, where you just disappear and then you show up and you're disoriented and everything yeah. and I thought to myself is it possible yeah. that Jerry was well, he abducted? Just says, or, he says I think I'm high. Yes. And then when uh, ben repeats it. He's like, he, yeah, he makes a, a comment about you you're repeating. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. So it's, it seems odd. That does seem really odd. It yeah. could be, again, like yeah. we debated last week but with Red and Richard that maybe this is all just the drugs. Yeah. But I think we're supposed to understand this is, he's, we're, we're being played with a bit here. It could bit. just be drugs, but it could be something else yeah. much bigger. Well, remember Jerry was out in the woods when he was watching Dr. Jacoby's right. video vlog thing. Yes. So, I mean, potentially he lives out there and he's literally just gotten lost while he's high, but Well, knows? and yeah. I, I was listening to the Gifted and the Damned podcast today and they actually did go through and look at the footage from Jerry watching Dr. Amp on his iPad and it does seem like he's wearing the same clothes yeah. from that night yeah. so maybe this is the next morning and he spent the night out in the woods somewhere and very possible um, but yeah we don't really get much context for that scene other than it's daytime and Jerry may very well be high and yeah. possibly his car is stolen the other thing is that stolen cars turns out to be kind of a theme in a this episode we have a truck that's stolen and we have a car that obviously Dougie's car that's been uh, affected well, in some way. Yeah, by theft. Yes. So. so, so yeah, lots yeah. of things going on there. Yeah, and for like a short 45 second throwaway yeah. scene, again, we're asking all these questions. So. Yes. Bravo. Um, so we move to the sheriff's station yes. and we get that panel. Oh, man. We get Hawk showing the Laura's diary pages to Frank Truman um, and we get a couple things confirmed. Yes, the quote right from Firewalk with me. She describes I've been with Dale and Laura. The good Dale is in the lodge and he can't leave. Write it in your diary. Um, and then we get confirmation, A, that Annie exists, which yes. is huge. Yes. Because up to this point, she hasn't been mentioned. You know, the last line of the series, How's Annie, yep. has gone unanswered. In Secret History of Twin Peaks erased her almost entirely. I think there is no mention of her at all in, mm-hmm. in the book. So that's also... Yes. A bit strange. Yes. But what is also strange is the way she's talked about in this scene. She's yeah. she's not ref- referred to as Norma's sister. No. She's referred to only as the girl who went, went into, into that, that place. place, which seems cold and distant for Hawk to say that. As if if this woman is someone who was related to a beloved town leader, well, a close friend, presumably, and yeah. and also if she was in, in some kind of relationship with Cooper. Oh well, yeah, Annie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, these are these are. I mean, for what it's worth, they, it wasn't a long relationship that they had. But I think people would have noticed that there mm. were sparks flying, you oh, know. Yeah. And for that to be the last thing that Cooper asks about, surely there would be more of a reaction than just, "Oh, she's just that girl." So it makes you wonder what's been what's been affected mm. here. How how are we supposed to read this? And we just it, we just don't know yet. Yeah. I'm really curious to see how they're going to address it because I don't think we're done with Annie. I'm not sure. I don't think we're going to see Annie. I don't know how yeah, you feel about well, it. Well, I don't know. Potentially. I mean, she's been mentioned now, so she does exist. Potentially she could show up. I mean, we're hoping we no that idea. Harry shows up. There have been a few. Someone did the stats on Twitter. I saw that. Someone had said there were seven appearances that were not listed mm-hmm. in the initial credits right. already. Yeah. So that means that it could there be. are more coming probably. Yeah. So we yeah. we there's a lot of talk of Harry in this episode. 
potentially there's going to be some others. So, but I do think we are going to get more mention of of Annie. Obviously, they're they're going to be looking into this. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple other things that we learn in this uh, that there these are three of four pages that were missing, and there's been a lot of speculation on Twitter about whether or not the fourth page is the page that Mrs. Tremont gives to Donna in the episode where Leland dies. Mm. Um, but uh, a few people have pointed out online that it's unlikely because Cooper probably would have submitted that into evidence right yeah. away. Yeah. So I'm guessing that's not no, the fourth I, and page. No, I feel like I think, here it's being set up as an obviously, there's yes, more coming Yes, there's a the fourth mystery. page yeah. that's still missing. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's really interesting is that the timelines do get screwy here. And there are weird things going on with the diary because we know, and and this has been a problem since, you know, watching the series and Fire Walk with Me because at one point early in the film, or early in Laura's story, Mm -hmm. Laura gives her secret diary to Harold. But these pages, yes, exactly. But these pages are written in after she would have given those pages to Harold. So. How did that happen? Was she going to Harold's to write in the diary? Did Harold give it back to her at some point? doesn't seem like it because at the end of the episode, or the end of that sequence where she gives him the diary, she's like, I'll never see you again. Right. And then we never see him exactly. together. Exactly, yeah, so, exactly. I don't know. Um, and now Leland, if Leland did have the pages, as Hawk says that he figures Leland is the one who left the pages in the bathroom, which may just be a red herring that they're throwing us off who it really could be because we suspected it was Garland Briggs. Um, I still or, tend to agree, yeah. Or Philip Gerard, who yeah. maybe had something to do with it. But um, if Leland did, he would have had to rip the pages out of the diary at some point before they were destroyed by Harold. When would he have had a chance to do that? We know that pages were ripped out from Fire Walk with me. Mm-hmm. Um, Leland has pages in the final the final scene of Fire Walk with me. He's shoving them in Laura's face and saying, I, I always thought you knew it was me. And he's he's got diary pages in his hands. What if Harold didn't kill himself? How do you figure? Harold was murdered by Leland. Hmm. And then and, and then, Harold and then, was the one. No, or, and, and Leland, Leland tore up the pages tore. and then uh, kept some of them. That could be. That could be because he does say that yes, he left the diary with mm-hmm. with her friend Harold. And in the show, it's presumed because she, he was so upset after yeah. everything that happened. With yeah, Donna, we everything. just assumed, we just assumed it was, it was a, murder. A, a, or a suicide. suicide, yes. But, I and mean, the cops and everybody assumed it was suicide, yeah, too. Yeah, because there was that note and it matched up with the thing. But, I mean, but, those are lodge spirits who yes, gave and that message. Yes, and Jeunam Solitaire is what the, yeah. the grandson says. If the grandson is linked with Leland, it's very possible that that's where that came from. That's so message, yeah. you heard it here first. Aiden <laughs> literally just shat that out of his brain. <laughs> Good yeah, job. Probably won't work, Good but. job, honey. <laughs> but anyway, that that's that's totally possible. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. Um, so, so we yeah. also get the last piece of information that Hawk puts together. And as I was watching this, I was just so excited. He's like, "But if Cooper, the bad Cooper, the good Cooper's still in there, that means the good Cooper didn't come out." So basically connecting that, yes, the, whatever came out was not the good Cooper. Um, and so they instantly go to like, well, who else saw Cooper that day? Yeah. Harry um, did. Harry did. Uh, and Doc and Hayward. Doc so that's where Sheriff Truman, uh, Frank Truman goes to next. First, he tries calling Harry, though. Yeah. Uh, so we do get a brief scene of him talking to Harry. And it sounds like Harry's been moved to another part of the hospital or something else. Because he or asks something, where yeah. they have you and everything. Yeah. Um, it sounds it, bad. I mean, I initially bad. thought cancer, but then um, I think that if it were something that serious, 
people would just say that. They wouldn't say he's sick or under the weather. I don't know if they would use that euphemism. Do you think? I think they would. I think it's a very common euphemism. I'm, I'm just wondering if it's something more benign but not benign like maybe really bad pneumonia or something like that and he's really sick like beat this thing but then again he yeah, does he does for, act like like this is terminal yeah, or something or so very life threatening yeah. at least yeah so I, I don't know flesh eating disease more than that i think <laughs> um we shouldn't laugh this is no terrible. it's it's terrible though but it's true and he, yeah he kind of backs off he's like no it's not urgent and yeah I'll, doesn't ask him yeah. about it at all yeah yeah so we get uh, a Kind of a brief scene with Andy uh, following up on the murder of the child, the hit and run that we saw in the last episode. So we see the truck in the background and Andy is talking to somebody who's just listed in the credits as Farmer. Yeah. Uh, So this Farmer, apparently this is his truck, but he can't tell Andy anything about who who was driving the truck. He insists he was not driving the truck, but he can't say anything else about it. And he's very anxious to get Harry or Andy, sorry, the hell away from there. Yes. it's not really clear why, but he's very, very agitated. Oh, really? Um, my initial thought was that Richard's on the premises. If he says anything, Richard's going to kill him right away. Yeah. So he's just terrified. And he- and I think it's deeper than that. I think this is, and we get some hints of it a little bit later in the episode, but I think this is this is connected to somebody bad. Red, maybe. And if not red, then maybe something even deeper with the lodges. That there's something going on there, and maybe maybe it has nothing to do with the accident. Maybe it has something to do with some other bigger criminal organization. Well, I mean, that's yeah, because he was on. he was moving drugs when he killed the boy, presumably. Yes. Uh, so yeah, you know, doesn't want to be tied into that either. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of odd because you think you found a guy, you found the vehicle that was killed, you arrest the guy. You bring him in for questioning right then. It doesn't matter right. what he wants, right? Yeah. So it's kind of odd that Andy just kind of plays it loose. I mean, maybe he knows the guy and he's giving him yeah. you know, a small town feel again. Um, so they basically set up a meeting for two hours later at 4.30. At 4.30. 4.30. Yeah. Yeah, we both noted that. Uh, up at Sparkwood and 21 near the Joneses by the creek, which yeah. is just yeah. such a Twin Peaks <laughs> thing. It's such a small town thing, right? I, yeah. I really like that, but... But yeah, I mean, the guy is obviously nervous to talk out in the open, but why couldn't Andy have just escorted him back to the police station to talk there and taken him into protective custody if he was actually worried about, if he didn't do anything but somebody is out to get him, you know, there are things that could have been done. I feel like Andy, at the beginning, has this really strong presence. He's he's like pointing at the truck and he's very... That is your truck, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but at the end, he's back to being docile Andy Brennan, who cries at Laura's... um, Corpse, yeah. Corpse, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. But I do think later on Andy realizes he hoofed. Yes. I think he realized big time. I agree, yes. So then from there we go back to uh, Frank in the sheriff's station. Yes. uh, And he talks to Doc Hayward. On Father's Day. This episode aired on Father's Day. And here we have Mark Frost's dad, Warren, who sadly passed away back in February, um, having what feels like it may be his final scene. I don't know how many scenes he yeah. filmed, but very much like the log lady. Yes, you get a sense that this is a, this a was goodbye. They, yeah, 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 yeah. And it, yeah, it was done to match their their health concerns, right? Yes. Um, but it's so great. Oh, it's. it's I mean, pro- he still brilliant. plays Doc Hayward yeah. so well. Um, so Frank calls him initially. They chat for a little bit. He's like, if you, ever, if you Skype, and you know, Doc's like, yeah, I diagnosed so-and-so with it. Um, and then they set up a Skype call. Mm-hmm. But first, we get the most amazing monitor reveal of all time. Totally. I want this technology on totally. my next desk. Just slams down a wood Oh, he lifts thing. up a, a wooden thing, doesn't yeah. he? And yeah, then this, so, yeah. this computer screen just lifts up out of his desk. It's awesome. So awesome. Does, does Lucy know about this? 
I feel like that's why it's in there because if she saw it actually yeah she would probably lose her crap freak out yeah I, yeah. I want to know what's wrong with Lucy that she has such a phobia or, or hang ups about modern technology because yeah. she would lose her mind if she saw that yes. absolutely agreed but I love it I think it's great it is wonderful um, yeah and then they Skype and there's Doc Hayward yeah he looks really old he's, <laughs> but, he's what is he saying he's working the sunny side of the sunny uh, side of the river sunny yeah. side of the creek I love that mm-hmm. trout fishing but uh, Frank asks him about um, what he remembers from that day. Yeah. And Doc says, I can't remember what I had for breakfast, but I remember that. Yeah. It's the kind of thing that doesn't doesn't leave your memory, right? No, it's the last episode of the season. Of course you're going to remember Doc. Um, and he says the Cooper was acting mighty strange. Mm-hmm. Um, and they took him to the hospital after presumably he cracked his head into the, into the mirror yep. to get checked out. Mm-hmm. Um, Doc did his rounds. And then after an hour, he noticed Cooper sneaking out of, out of emergency. No, the ICU. ICU, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Fully then, clothed, yeah. Doc called out to him, but Cooper just kind of looked at him and left. Yeah, and and, and Doc says he saw that strange face again. Yes, which was which I thought very... was interesting. Where would he have seen that strange face before? Oh well, the drawing of Bob was everywhere, right? If we're talking think, about Bob, do you think he? But if he saw that that Cooper was wearing the face of Bob, he he would have said something, don't you think? Maybe, maybe he did, and they just brushed it off as well. He's gone now, so it's too late. Like Presumably, mm-hmm. Cooper leaves immediately after this. Yes, that's what um, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, but Frank asks why he was in ICU, and Doc says... I, I thought at the time he might have been looking in on Audrey Horn. That terrible business at the bank, and she was in a coma. And that opens up a whole can of worms oh, yeah. in my mind. Because yeah. this was a theory that was going around on, on Twitter and I really didn't want to believe it. But it sure seems like if this is the case, if Coop did go visit, bad Coop, quote unquote Coop, um, went to visit Audrey while she was comatose in the ICU. Is that how she had Richard? That's awful. That's, that's that really is terrible. really that, skeevy. I mean, okay, bad Coop's pretty bad. But that, that seems is. like a new level. But, I mean, at the same time, it matches up pretty well with Richard. I mean, Richard doesn't exactly have a lot of respect for the no, female body. No, and, and what it would seem... And, and yeah, okay, so if you want to go with that there's some kind of a genetic link yeah, here, yeah. right? Between, sure, a spiritual link. Yeah, yeah, yes, that would be more more likely. Yeah. But, but also, if Audrey woke up from a coma and either was pregnant or had already had a child, depending on how long she was in a coma, and she didn't know who the father was, maybe she assumed it was... John Justice yeah. Wheeler, obviously, she, she wouldn't. Would, yeah. She wouldn't think it was Cooper because yeah. she wouldn't have known. Yeah. Um, maybe she distanced herself from her son. Maybe she wasn't present for his upbringing. Yeah. Um, that it could explain her absence here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there could be a lot of reasons why why her son would have turned out this way. Yeah. Um, but, it, but it does it does fuck with that that like it fucks with my <laughs> shit, man. And that, that really taints, fans, taints yeah. things. I've seen a lot of comments online mm-hmm. where people are just like, I cannot handle if that's the case. Like, because they, they just love the Audrey Cooper relationship yes. in this original series so Yes, and it's so, so pure much. and it's so innocent and then to have it be sullied. But that's exactly why I think it's so likely to yeah. happen. And I'm I'm kind of upset that so many people are taking this hardline stance like, I hate this. I'm never going to watch Twin Peaks. Like, I've seen comments like this. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, like, you know... I trust David Lynch and Mark Frost to take us where we need to go in the manner in which it's best for us to go there. So we'll roll with it. If this is what happens, I'm sure we'll, there's, there's however many hours left for 11 hours left for them to redeem this 
beautiful thing if this is what they've decided to do. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll wait and see. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, Doc Hayward gives a great little joke about trout and pajamas. Yeah. Um, which is sweet and, and nice. And it's a dad joke. It's a dad joke. On Father's Day. It's I great. think it's brilliant. Yeah. Bless you, Warren Frost. And he mentions the Huckleberry Jam, of course. Which yes. Which was featured in uh, Firewalk with me, right? Well, the, the Huckleberry Muffins. Oh, Huckleberry Muffins. But I think That's Huckleberry right. Jam... Wasn't Jerry eating some Huckleberry Jam oh, perhaps, on yes, his banana bread? his... I wonder AK-47 if, or if they're sharing uh, <laughs> recipes, because that would be really cool. That would be great. If yes. Doc Hayward became a massive stoner in his yeah. old age. Yeah, well, medicinal stuff. He's getting sick. Middlebury Doc, he, he's got the hookup. That's right. So, so then the, we, yeah, yes. we go to Buckhorn, yes. North, South Dakota, uh, and Lieutenant Knox arrives. Yes. So she was the uh, Air Force lieutenant who reported to Colonel Davis. Yes. And who found the hits on Major Briggs's Yes. Prints. So she's here to just figure out, run the prints again, figure out where they got them from. And she's shocked as shit to find out that they have a body. And uh, she goes to see it for herself. Yep. Uh, our favorite character. Constance. Constance is there, rolls out the body. Um, and so Lieutenant Knox figures out two important things. There's no head. Yeah. Very important. She asked where that is, and the the detective has a great, I don't know, like yeah. kind of thing. Um, and then confirms also that the body is in its late 40s. Yes. And it died five or six days ago. Right. Which, so when she calls yeah. Colonel Davis and, and says this, we get the confirmation that this is, he's like, if it's Major Briggs and he died five days ago, he would have been in his 70s. Yeah. So the first time that we've got the real confirmation that this body is Major Briggs's body. Not only that, but that... There's some time travel going there on, must right? Be, there must right? be at this point. Because There's no way you can have him not existing. And, the, and I, I mean, I know nothing about forensic pathology or the states that a body goes into after death. Is it possible that this that the body had been on ice for that yeah, long? I guess it you would preserved, yeah. but you would know a, a good forensic. Yeah. I feel like with today's technology, there'd be frozen bits on the end. Yes, you would be able to tell that, right? So there's no way that that could have happened. I don't know. You know, if we've got any, you know, corners or people who work in morgues listening to the show, write in and let us know if we're way off base here. But it does seem like maybe Major Briggs has been able to somehow utilize the Lodge or time travel within that paradigm over the last 25 years and, and it's altered his body so he's still in his well yeah or he literally walked out one day and then he yes showed up that's the next day exactly and got murdered, right? exactly and he never aged because he didn't actually age. but right? it does explain how it, it sorry it doesn't explain how over the last 16 years or 16 hits over the last 25 years how those how that how those happens, came about. Right? So perhaps so, he's jumping into specific points in time. That's what I'm thinking. Is he chasing Cooper? Is Cooper chasing him? Is that the coordinates that he is looking right. for initially? We don't. It's hard to we tell. We have at this no point. idea. Yeah. We don't know. But it's fascinating. Yes. And the other fascinating thing in this scene. Would you call it fascinating, or would you call it pants shittingly terrifying? Both. Both. Okay. Fascinating in its ability to shit my <laughs> pants. Uh, so it's Lieutenant Knox on the phone with Colonel Davis. And then in the background, we get this ominous, black, out-of-focus uh, character approaching down this long You know exactly who it hallway. is the minute that you right see it, it. Yeah, right as we saw, we're like, oh my god, it's well, the, the guy from the cell. The sound changes. You get that oh, yeah, droning get sound, sound immediately when he shows up on screen. And it's interesting because she says his head is not here, yes. and that's when it appears. Exactly. Right? I'm glad you caught that because yeah. I wrote that down yeah. too. High and five. High five. And so what does that mean? Is that potentially Major Briggs's head in or is his spirit coming down the hallway yeah. I mean potentially if 
he's following uh, Bill Hastings around because mm-hmm. Bill Hastings killed him in right. some way or something like that. It is interesting that one of my other colleagues at 25 Years Later, um, Laura Stewart, she said that she had a conversation with the actor who played the original Blackened Man in part two. And he says this was not him. Really? Yeah. So there's different. uh, And somebody else, uh, I believe it was the Twin Peaks Scotia guys. They, sorry, the Twin Peaks Scotia guy who said that um, there's a third So there's more than one of these sooty, blackened... So they could just be a type of lodge spirit or something. Yes, that's what I'm thinking, is that they're they're related. So maybe the first one was related to Bill Hastings, and this one is related to Major Briggs. Potentially. Potentially. No idea. Bill Hastings is probably still in the jail in Buckhorn there, too. So it could still be related to Bill Hastings. That's true. but yeah, I feel like these are these are a different kind of lodge spirit that we haven't encountered yet. But the weird thing for me in this scene is she barely reacts. Like she gets yeah. a little creeped and she looks at him, startles a little bit, but, but then, then she just, just walks keeps away. going. She doesn't like stare at him. She does if I saw someone like that walking down a hallway, I'd scream. <laughs> I'd pull out my gun if I had one and I'd start shooting because that is the scariest thing ever. Well, you don't really get uh, an in focus view of them and the face is still really obscured. Mm-hmm. So maybe she didn't even she just saw somebody dressed all in black and didn't even think anything of it. I think you'd notice. You probably would. I think though. that's like pure black and like. Yeah. 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 It's all monotone black. Like it's it's so. Well, it's 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 like the absence of a person. Yeah. It's just like a, a yeah, shadow walking down, walking the, down hallway. the hallway. Yeah. It is very terrifying. But she really, yeah, she has such a subdued reaction to it that it, it is. It's, strange. it's just noteworthy, at least for sure. Um. So, uh, she goes into the room. And she says what I called right away, which is... Immediately. Like, Literally, like, word for word. In the first scene, she they're like, oh, it would help with our investigation if we knew who this was. And right away, I was like, it's not going to be your investigation for much longer, yeah. folks. And then, and then Cynthia then, says... Yeah. You didn't hear it from me. But I don't think this is going to be your investigation for too much longer. Yeah, in the return when she comes back. Yeah. So, yeah, I called it. I was just very happy. And then the man in black walks by. And we get what sounds like a kind of electrical sound, but it's not the same electrical sound, I don't think. It, it, <sighs> so many sounds. I know, and it's and it's such a beautiful, rich sound, but it gave me heart palpitations. It literally did. That might have been all the coffee I had been consuming at that point. Yeah, but, probably. Um, but anyway, it, it did frighten me quite badly. Yeah. So that's that. Yes. We go to uh, FBI headquarters in Philadelphia. Yep. And uh, Gordon Cole is there whistling in his chair. And we get a shot, a pan over from a corn cob. It's a cob of, it's an ear of corn. Yeah. What does that mean? It's just there. Somebody wrote on Twitter that it was maybe David Lynch acknowledging that some things are corny. Yeah. There's also kind of a phallic thing Oh, yeah, that too. Because when when you panned over to him... Near his midsection, that's where the mushroom cloud of the <laughs> of the explosion comes. Didn't out. catch so, that one. You know, the other thing obviously is that corn being gambosia, it it called to mind at least for me some of those earlier Tumblr theories that people had that maybe Gordon Cole wasn't as pure and innocent as we might have assumed he would be. But we do get a minor confirmation of that theory, really. A little in bit, this yeah. Scene because Albert walks in. Mm-hmm. Well, says, okay. First of all, can we just back up a bit? Sure. Because he's whistling. Oh yes, you wanted to make a point about this. Yes, yes, he's whistling a song, and I recognized it. And when I thought I knew what it was, I'm like, it's the Mission Impossible theme song, but it's not. I thought it was a bird call. You did think it was a bird call. I'm like, Way do up. birds whistle Rammstein songs? Maybe. Because that's what I'm 99% sure that it's the Rammstein song. Uh, angle. 
So. Okay, well, by the way, we should really be doing the titles in German or French oh, good or something. Lord. But that's an argument for another time. We'll bicker about that at the end. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, he's whistling this. And then Albert yes. pounds on the door. And with, the, the hearing aids do the, yes. the feedback thing. Yes, once again, his ears explode. Poor guy. Um, but Poor then, guy, no, I think he's faking his <laughs> hearing loss. I'm really thinking that there's something else going on here with the hearing loss. It could be. Because... Yes, Albert walks in and delivers bad news about Diane that you couldn't get anything out of him. Um, and Cole's... Couldn't get anything out of her. her. Sorry, did mm-hmm. I say him? You did say him. Wow, that's terrible. Diane is a woman. Oh, tell me She that. is a lot of women. <laughs> Love Diane. So awesome. Um, yeah, and Cole's replies are great. He's just like... How did it go? Not well. I said, hello, Diane. She said, this is about Cooper, isn't it? I said, Maybe. She said, and I quote, no fucking way. Oh, I was at home dripping wet on the verge of pneumonia 15 minutes later. How was your evening, Chief? This is not good news, Albert. She needs to see him. Your turn. But you'll go with me? Say please. What? You heard me. Please. For the first time in the series, someone calls Albert for faking it. And right away, it's being called accurately because he says, yeah, okay, please. Yeah. And it's true. Like, that's one of the things that we always said. Like, how much does Albert really not hear? Yeah. How much of that is a put on? How much of it is just to continue the conversation the way he wants? Right. Um, Perhaps much more than we realize. I read a really interesting article today that was talking about straight talking FBI agents in, in Twin Peaks. And I think it might have been put out by Oxford dictionaries or something it was related to the oxford um language schools yeah and uh and they were talking about how uh in the original series it's the fbi agents who all are very straight talking they say what they mean and they expect you to say what you mean back to them so when bobby walks into the diner in that episode Mm -hmm. and says what's going on lynch literally describes what's What's going going on on. he doesn't interpret it he just says you are witnessing a front three quarter view so um so I think it's a conceit at first, but I think it develops into something that is speaking to a level of subterfuge that is going on mm-hmm. here. Um, but why or what the point is, we still don't know. But I, I think it is very interesting that Albert knows and Albert calls him on it. And and Lynch, or sorry, and Gordon knows when he's up against a wall and, yeah. and he's not going to push back. So mm-hmm. he just goes with it. Um, it's a very telling scene. So then we go to Diane's place. Right away. And, okay, I just have to say, like, any other show, it might have been two or three scenes later, but no, it's bam, 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 and we get Diane's right away, next next scene. It's great. I was no, loving Most how... shows would have it right away. No, you mean most think... episodes of Twin Peaks The Return Maybe. would pace it out and no, get think, it at the end I of the episode. I think if they were going to have a, a big scene with another character, with a big character like Diane, they might hold off and, and kind of build suspense for it. But no, we go right to it. I just love the pacing of this because it just made well, so me realize saying, this how is amazing what, this yeah, was. Yeah, exactly. This is this is like a regular show at this point. This is we're it's on this better than plot, a regular show. Point. Yes, sure. But <laughs> we're on this plot point. We're going to continue down until it reaches some sort of, you know, haphazard end of some sort. It, right? it feels less like a TV show and more like a movie maybe is, is what I'm getting at. I'm saying this is most TV. This is the most TV-ish you've seen. If this was an, inter- or a, an investigation on Law & Order, you would follow this Diane plot hole as far as you can until it hits a dead end, which it does in this episode. And that, that basically all happens in this next 
few scenes worth of sequence. So I'm saying this is very TV-like. In a movie, you might pace it out and build that suspense. Okay, maybe you're right. But yeah. either way, I loved it. Uh, me too. I thought it was great that we jumped right to Diane's apartment. Yes, and I love Diane's apartment. I love everything about this scene. Yeah, I want to live she, there. <laughs> it is very cute. <laughs> um, and she has some sort of gentleman visitor, visitor mm-hmm. over who lets them in. Um, and she's not at all impressed by this. Nope. Um, and then the guy who's just treated as young ma- younger man, I think. Yeah. Uh, blows her a kiss on the way out, and Albert and Gordon kind of yeah. side eye him a little and bit. It's not clear exactly what Diane's been doing these last twenty five yeah. years, um, or what she's doing right then. Right. You know, is she does Does Albert know where she drinks because that's her spot? I got some. I mean, it might just be me as a straight white dude but like I had some very like she's working as a prostitute kind of vibes mm. from this um, just with the the haircut the the wig you know kind of obscuring her identity she doesn't like talking about her past life with the FBI right she doesn't want to talk about Cooper whatever that entails um, interesting and she had this younger guy who treated her a little patronizingly well I wouldn't say patronizing but he knows her name and he and he does say goodbye like yeah and I he guess he wasn't worried that, yeah I guess he's not worried that FBI agents drop so no, yeah, it's just I, but, in my but head, for sure. maybe <laughs> he's the prostitute that could also work that could also work but I do get the sense that whatever happened to her in her past has caused her to uh, become much thornier than I think she ever was we, we ever got any indication of mm-hmm um, well, I mean, and I think she's just drinking some... more too. Oh yes, yeah, she's Absolutely. clearly an alcoholic. I feel or... like she's got a couple of drinks in her that morning. Like, yes, yes. You know, um, and so they walk in. Cole tries to downplay it. Let's just talk for a bit. She tells him the fuck first, you, Gordon. First fuck you is to Gordon. <laughs> it's awesome. And fuck you too, Albert. <laughs> <laughs> also great. Um, but then yeah, Cole kind of just continues and gives yeah. him the story that you know, you know we need you to take a look at Cooper. Uh, and Albert says you know we need someone close by to to talk to him and let us know what you think you fit the bill um she gives she's, him some coffee well okay be, but she's very cold when when gordon says that mm-hmm. he's in federal lockup she's like good yeah and immediately you think what the hell happened between yeah. coop and diane that would make her so angry like what happened it had to be something serious um and, and not only angry at Cooper, but angry at the FBI, it seems, because she doesn't want anything to do with Gordon and Albert. She's smoking a cigarette and holding a cup of coffee and clearly has more, won't share with them mm-hmm. until after a while when she does bring out coffee. So, I mean, there's a lot of interesting psychological things that are going on in this that maybe we'll get into later. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's uh, she's clearly someone who is seen some shit yes and is not happy about the FBI Mm-mm. coming back into her life and Cole mentions that it's about something you know about and that's enough and that's said about that. that what is that yeah. I'm assuming it was that last night or something something well, to do with Cooper's behavior I don't know if Gordon knows about the, the last night no because at think, the end of the episode he asked about it but, but I think she knows about the lodge yes and I think that's what uh, or the Blue Rose Gordon, cases yes exactly and I think yeah. that's what they're yeah. what, what's being hinted at yeah. so again we do follow them they're immediately in a, they're in a private plane or a government plane or something like that um she's taking it albert gives her a drink she gives him another fuck you which is just perfect um and then tammy comes around the corner in a uh, great kind of reveal that i didn't even know she was there no, she just yeah. kind of sneaks off the way, around the yeah, corner it's, it's like great. such a tiny little corner but the way it's filmed you don't yeah. know where she is yeah uh, she appears and presents the laptop with the, the fingerprints to albert and gordon and asks do you see anything wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, presumably she's already found it as well. And Cole says as much that you've done very well so far in passing all our, our tests one after another. Uh, and then... Uh, he has to see her hands. Yes. And 
flip them over, and then he counts off on her ten fingers the greeting that Mr. C gave, which was, I'm very, very happy to see you again, old friend. Yeah. But it's not, it's Yver. Yrv. Yrv. Very. Yes, because the second, the, the ring finger, which... Gordon says is the spiritual mound, the spiritual finger, mm-hmm. is the one that was backwards. It's the one that the print is reversed for, and it's the one that um, that Cooper pronounced backwards. pronounced backwards, which is something we did not bring up on our podcast yet. I don't think we mentioned it, but no, um, I, I think someone only noticed it after we'd yes published that. Yes, and we definitely didn't notice it no. at the time. But um, so a lot of theories have been going on around that that this ten word phrase or ten word greeting is another one of Gordon's codes. And that Cooper or part of Cooper or something, something inside Mr. C alerted Gordon that something was wrong. Because we didn't pick up on it. The internet did later on. And it the way Cole talks about it is like, yes, of course, the ear of yeah. that everybody should have known happened. Um, I think if you hadn't gone on the internet, you'd be like, what is he talking about the yeah. ear of? But for us, it was another like, oh, yes, okay, they did plan that. That was that oh, yeah. was another clue that we yeah. were supposed to find, and yeah. we did. exactly. It was exhilarating for us, but yeah, I think if you just watch the episodes randomly, you'd be like, what the hell are they talking about? Yeah. But then but the fact that it's upside down, or upside down backwards, mm-hmm. um, I and the fact that it's on the spiritual mound, I think that's significant, because yes. it means that something's rotten. Yes. Something's wrong with his spirit. Well, and you've done a bit of research on fingers, I did, yeah. So, so um, the, the ring finger... Uh, I mean, obviously, we know from Western traditions, I think going back to ancient Greece and, and Rome, that there there was supposed that there was a, a vein or a nerve that went from the tip of your ring finger directly to your heart. And that this is why this finger was so important, that it's the finger that we wear our wedding bands on. Um, it's also called the the medical finger, the doctor's finger, the physician's finger in Latin, um, because it was popularly assumed or known that doctors would apply ointments with their ring finger because it's a gentler touch. It has, you know, and and I do it too. I was doing it this morning when I put on my makeup that I applied a lot of my under eye concealer with my ring finger. I don't even notice that I'm doing it, but I noticed it this morning and I'm like, why do I do that? It's because I, I feel like I have more precision and it's gentler when I'm touching the sensitive area around my yeah. under eye, you know? Um, so that's interesting that it's it's related to healing, physicians and doctors and healing. Um, the idea of it being a spiritual mound, I mean, I was talking with Eileen and she was saying that um, one of her friends is into palmistry and said that this is the Apollo mount is the one that's underneath in palm reading, it's it's the mount that is underneath your ring finger, and that that's commonly associated with healing, mm-hmm. but also with with other things like wisdom and and stuff like that, which doesn't really seem to fit with Gordon's. Well, I mean, assessment. it depends. I mean, the soul and the body were always connected, right? So I feel like you're talking about the medicine, like the link yeah. is re- literally between uh, the body and the soul. Well, I think more between the heart and the soul. I yeah. think that's more more yeah. important. If if you're going to look at it as being the finger that you put rings on because you're signifying your undying connection. connection to, well, yeah, between your hearts. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So if yeah. that's the finger that's if that's the finger that's going to be all screwed up. Yeah. That's going to say something about Coop's heart, yeah. right? Um, one other really interesting thing that came up was that uh, the ancient Egyptians thought of this finger as the sixth finger, yeah. which 
I thought immediately, I'm like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but it has to do with the numbers. And if we're going to talk about numbers, we're going to mm-hmm. talk about numerology. Um, the number six is, it's a perfect number. It's the only one of the numbers below 10, which is the result of the sum of its parts. Okay, so half of six is three, a third of six is two, and a sixth of six is one. And if you add one, two, and three together, you get six. So it had significance in ancient Egypt and maybe other cultures as well, just for that reason. So, and we know how much David Lynch is into numerology and we know how much numbers have played a role in this I feel like he's into numbers. Numbers yes, as symbols that's and fair. feelings and stuff like that. I don't that's feel fair. he buys into any one numerology no, viewpoint. But, but, but I do think that he has a personal view on yes. numbers. We know that number seven is important to him, yep. and he uses sixes a lot. Yep. Number six shows up on the the pole yep. in the Fat Trout Trailer Park, um, and it shows up in other places mm-hmm. too. So um, the fact that this finger, which is also the finger where the letters were put for Teresa Banks, Laura oh, yeah. Palmer, and Ronette Pulaski. Um, it's a finger that Dougie was wearing the ring on. Yep. It's a finger Laura wore the ring on. Yep. Um, that I think if that is also has some kind of mythological significance. Yeah. Oh, for sure. With the number six. It's just something to throw out there. I don't have any answers for that. I'm putting it out to you guys again just to think about. But it, it was an interesting connection for me. I feel like he's just said this in this mythology. This is the spiritual finger. Yeah, that's absolutely. why the things go in there. I feel like we're reading again, absolutely way too much no, no. I, I'm I'm not buying into a lot of that. I think literally it's just this is the finger that in our culture we put significance on the ring finger. This is the finger that's going to be broken for some reason. There's something wrong with his soul, and we get some confirmation of that with Diane a little bit later on. Yes, absolutely. Um, there's also a quick uh, shot. There's a picture of him outside of the house. Um, in Rio. In Rio. Mm-hmm. And when they went there, it had been sold to a girl from Ipanema, yeah. which was great. Yep. And, yeah, there's there's not really a sense. That's the only picture they have of him in the last 25 years, yeah. do they specify? I think they do say that. Um, but while this is all being said, we get a, a kind of a close-up yeah. on Diane. And I can't get a read on no. if she's sad or if she's scared or if yeah. she's... Is she in pain? Yeah. Is it anxiety? I don't know, but it's a great... Laura Dern is so amazing. Especially with Lynch. Mm-hmm. She just channels whatever vibe he's asking her to do. And in this case, I don't think he could put it into words. She's just like, okay, you're going to meet a guy who did something terrible to you. That's what you're going to Yeah, react these with. are your notes. Yeah, here's have it, and you're an alcoholic, so have a drink while you're doing it. Like, and she did this, and yeah. it feels so accurate. You're yeah. just like, whatever she's going through, that's the face that you would have. Yeah. And yeah, it's amazing. And I love the mystery of not knowing exactly what she's thinking. I, no. I, I really do love the mystery of Diane period that yes. she is just this well, enigmatic figure but she's she comes she becomes at once more and less enigmatic right. because she's throwing off F-bombs and it's like yes this person is awesome but that also nails it down a little bit she's yeah. the kind of person who throws out F-bombs right but I love that character at the yeah. same time. So, And it's totally different, again, if you want to talk about the way characters are introduced and then having that expectation subverted. Mm-hmm. Meeting Diane in part six made me think she was going to be a little bit more demure. I did mm-hmm. feel that way. I didn't get the sense that she was going to be... Like, I thought well, maybe she was, she was so fun-loving. Yeah. Like, she has all the different colored fingernails and the fancy bangles on her wrists and the, the beautiful clothes and, and everything. The wig and everything, yeah. But, um, but I really felt like she was going to be softer and mm-hmm. quieter and a little bit more withdrawn. I didn't get the sense that she was going to be this much of a spitfire. 
And so that expectation is completely subverted when Albert came in and explained, you know, exactly yeah. what she said to him. And then when we get to see more of her, and she literally tells everybody, with the exception of Mr. C, to fuck off, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Even Tammy gets it at one point. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, the next scene... Uh, is them going down the hallway in the prison. Sorry, can we just back up quickly sure. one minute? Because I'm just going to put it out there that a lot of people are wondering about the windows on the airplane. I noticed it, but I didn't think anything of it because I thought it was just reflection reflection of the sun. I instantly thought, oh, there's a black lodge spirit in there. You and did think that. And you did we, say that. Yeah, but, but when we went in, I'm like, nope. Just a reflection. Just I, a reflection I, I of the windows. I retconned myself. But I think some people have done more uh, investigation deeper investigations into um, those actual, like, frame-by-frame. Frame. Uh, there's six windows, so it's not binary code. People were thinking maybe it had something to do with binary. Um, but, so yeah, this is, this is Reddit. Reddit just went nuts. I could mm. not sleep last night. I was up until, like, after 2 a.m., and I had to get up to teach kindergarten today. And then I thought about Twin Peaks the entire time I'm teaching colors. There was We talked about owls and logs today, too, so it was really, really <laughs> hard to not throw out some, some Twin Peaks quotes. That is excellent. You should really do a whole lesson plan just around Twin Peaks, like all the themes you could teach. Yeah, in the Arabic school. That's yeah, going to go over really well. It's subliminal. It can't be upfront about it, but it's fine. <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, it's just one of the theories. And, and we'll throw up the link to some of the Reddit threads that are going on. Because I really do think there's a lot of really good stuff that's being that's being tossed around there. Take it for what it is. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we do go to the prison. Yeah. Uh, they're walking down the hallway. Diane sets out her rules for how the interview is going to go. Mm-hmm. Cole says for sure. And then, yeah, Tammy's like, and we really appreciate it. <laughs> and I want to tell it. And then Diane did it for us. Fuck you, Tammy. Yep. Just great. I love it. You know. I do feel like Tammy maybe kind of is starting to redeem herself. I still don't see what was so important about her being the one to discover the fingerprints because I think Gor- uh, Gordon figured it out, obviously. Well, Albert, Albert probably did. would have figured it out and, and put it together. No, I don't think Albert figured it out on a spiritual level the way that Gordon did. No. But, yeah, I, well, I just don't the, see what he the... he did the medical analysis. Oh, yeah, of This course. is upside down and backwards or whatever. Um, but did she even figure it out? Because she... Like when she, she still doesn't even really know. Yeah, she just presented the evidence. She's like, "What do you what think?" What do you think? And it was it was kind of annoying. Like I, I'm really not liking Tammy. You know, at the start of the season, yeah. we were like, "I hope Tammy's gonna be an awesome agent. And we're gonna watch her solve the cool mystery." And now I'm like, "I don't want her on the case." Like I feel like. Well, there's time. There's time. Maybe maybe we'll get a turnaround here. Perhaps. And I think it might be starting. We'll but, see. But Diane lipping her off made Diane my all time favorite character list. Even she's more on, than Constance. She's on the top. Constance Her and, Diane. and Diane should really have a scene together if they don't. Yeah, or, uh, or a whole spin-off show. We'll, we'll write the fanfic if, if it doesn't happen. Excellent. I'm holding you to that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so then we have Diane in the interrogation room. Uh, again, that we saw earlier yep. where they all interviewed uh, DC. And she settles herself in. And she does this. She takes this moment to, to kind of prepare herself. And it's interesting because she, she like even like fixes her mm. hair a little bit. And mm-hmm. she cares still. About how this person's gonna view her, view her right? Um, and I think that reveals again a lot with very little. Yeah. That this person, especially by the end of the scene, you know, she, this person has hurt her very badly. Yeah. Um, but she still has this this need to impress and mm-hmm. uh, you know please him in a, mm-hmm. in a certain way, uh, and it's it's really very telling. Yeah. Again, Diane's character. We've gotten her for like five minutes, maybe at the very yeah. for the total of this episode and last, but. I feel like I already know Diane, and she's amazing, and I want to see her in every scene from now on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just really great. She gets the mic right, um, and then she raises the curtain. Yeah. And DC is once again speaking in his slow, 
you know, worn Deep. out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, modified voice almost. Do you have any theories as to why that is? I don't anymore. I have no idea why this is happening because the ones that we talked about previously, you know, he just spilled all his Garmbosian. He was out of energy. Uh, him and Dougie were taking up the same uh, spiritual space. And so he wasn't a full person anymore. That's been disproven. Yeah. Uh, so I really don't know what's going on with this. I wondered if maybe this was a sign that whenever uh, Mr. C was going to be interrogated by the FBI, maybe Bob leaves him and that Bob is what you know invigorates him with that spark that yeah. that like I, I'm not I'm not I, sure I, again I, when he's he seemed almost surprised that Bob was still with him yeah, last, so, yeah. And, and then he was talking fine then so I, I feel some like some other people have said it's it may just be the microphone and the way that the room is set up that it deepens his voice it doesn't slow everything down no. I can't explain that but no I, I, it could also be Doppelkoop trying very hard to be convincing as Agent Cooper again mm. and failing and focusing so hard yeah. that he fails. Could also be that it, because it's going through electricity, yeah. it's perhaps revealing his real voice. Yeah, maybe. Um, as opposed to the one that you see that's when you're actually in that's interesting because it is through a microphone. They're mm. not speaking directly. There's no. there's a there's an a, intermediary there, yeah, an yeah. electronic intermediary. So good catch, hun. Something to consider there. Um, and yeah, they they go over this like she's. She's dr- drilling him on, when was the last time you saw me? Yeah. Um, he eventually spills it at your house. And, you know, again, she's kind of trembling and takes it really hard. Um, Do you remember that night is what yeah. she asks. And he says... that before Eden fire walk with me when when Laura is confronting Bob Bob when he is raping her in her bed and that sent chills up my spine yes it did the same for me but I couldn't place it yeah there you go so this is why I really do think that this is I mean it's horrible to think about but i really do think we're getting a sense of of what actually happened between cooper and diane 25 years ago is that he assaulted her yeah i mean it definitely reads that way Mm -hmm. for sure um i i don't want to jump to that conclusion quite yet yeah if i was gonna stick my foot in the ground and and stake the claim on a theory i'd I wouldn't feel comfortable with that just yet because i think it could be even worse like oh maybe could have done something terrible beyond even that Mm -hmm. you know but i do feel like this is this is somebody confronting uh, her attacker for the first time. Mm-hmm. And there's some question about whether or not um, this is the first time that she's meeting Mr. C. But I get the sense that she that, that last night was after Cooper came out of the lodge. And something oh, happened that night. Oh, yeah. A lot of people don't think it was. Really? They yeah, think it was good Cooper. They think that they're... That, uh, and, I have problems with this theory. I have big problems with this theory. But they think that Cooper and Diane had some kind of a romantic entanglement and she's just upset that he didn't return her affection. But they that were on they, such good terms the whole time. I know. Twin Peaks, and so it also, if this ends up being a much more serious thing like mm-hmm. an assault, a sexual assault especially, it buying into that theory erases her victimhood in a, in a sense. And it mm-hmm. kind of does... I mean, it's too early it's, to... It is again. way too early, but I but I, I, really do feel like we have to take at face value what she's experiencing. And what she's experiencing looks a hell of a lot to me like a woman who is confronting her abuser. Yeah. Like Laura confronting Leland. It also might be uh, just like Wyndham Earl. 
killing his wife? Could be that mm. Cooper killed Diane's husband? Maybe. And then perhaps did something to her? I mean... Yeah, we have no indication of, of Diane at all. No. Her history From the show, anything. and then in the book even, there's no mention of, of nope. anybody else. Nope. So we've all been assuming that for all these years she was single, and yeah. a lot of people thought she was pining for Coop, but... Well, even we speculated in our yeah, My Life, My Tapes episode yeah. that... Yes, there, there, was but, some, there was some not-so-subtle stuff there, but... The peaking duck, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, we're not... We're not for sure. And now we get this, which complicates it so much. It also adds some really disgusting undertones to what Doc Hayward said earlier in the episode about uh, Cooper slinking around ICU. Well, like um, we've already touched on. Yeah. 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 yeah it definitely adds that. Yeah. Uh, definitely a rapey vibe to yeah. Doppel Coop, right? If there wasn't already. Well, we've already seen there. the way he treats Daria and, and his cavalier attitude about human life, really. Yeah. yeah. So um, it would not surprise me. We've seen him kill three people on screen that we mm-hmm. know of. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, he's a bad dude. He is a and bad dude. And Diane seems like she's confronting the reality of that badness. But when she does leave the prison to go talk with Gordon, um, Gordon has a brief moment with Warden Murphy yeah, where he says not that to let him go, yeah. not to let him go, which we'll get to Obviously, that. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Diane seems to have just come to the realization that that's not Cooper, which I think is, is important because if what we're suggesting did happen, it will be very important for the people that he's victimized to recognize that it wasn't the Cooper that they know and love who did these things. Um, Which is something we've talked about being complicated with Leland. But I think we've also touched on the fact that Leland seemed to be, he was inhabited by Bob. And there, it was still Leland doing those things Mm -hmm. with Bob inside him. This is a completely separate entity. This is Cooper's badness yeah. doing these things. It still is part of Cooper. Yeah. And that's but it's the, not yeah. the whole Cooper. So it, it I I think there's gonna be some really hard questions and, and hard realizations that we're gonna come to. I think Jubal Rousseau uh, of Counter Esperanto podcast has said a lot online that we're not gonna get the good old Cooper that we knew and loved from, and we've said it too on, uh, you know, a couple of times already in the, during the return podcast that we've been doing, that uh, that it's not going to be February 24th coming into yeah. Twin Peaks. We're not going to get the same joy over the cup of coffee. Like, he's seen too much and done too much. And once those personalities fuse, he, is he going to have all of Mr. C's memories and the memories of the horrible things that he's done? I mean, that's going to be really tough. He's not going to be the same person. But I think it, this is this is going to be something that at least the people that he encountered and did wrong by in those 25 years, I think that's going to be critical for them to kind of understand whether or not they are able to reconcile the two is another story entirely. We can't even speculate on yeah, that. Yeah, who knows if we'll even get that far. Yeah. If we deal with the grieving or the yeah, recovery exactly. or anything like that. I don't, I, we don't know. We have so no idea. It's, but it yeah. was a really great scene between her and Gordon oh, where yeah. um, Gordon doesn't seem to know what happened on that last night, but he trusts Diane's intuition and her ability to read that moment. And, and she and does summarized, have that. yeah, by the, the one line. There's something that definitely isn't here. Um, so it's 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 a lack of something that yeah. she defines Doppelkoop as. There's there's and in his heart, yeah, in his heart, right again, in his yeah. chest. Which again, if you're gonna look at the ring finger being connected mm-hmm. to the heart, there's something there, right? Yeah. Um, and then she goes in and starts crying on Gordon's shoulder. 
And it was interesting to me to watch his reaction because he doesn't pull her closer. His hands kind of like release off her body and just kind of let her fall into him. But he doesn't actually like embrace her or comfort her in any way. Mm-hmm. It's almost like he's watching her as a as a neutral observer. Yeah, or and, I and like I he's didn't know reading how to read her that. still. Like yeah. he's like, well, is she just playing with me here, or right. or what? It's like the investigator in him has just kind of gone into overdrive, and I, I didn't know how to read that in, in some way. I wondered if it was because Diane isn't the hugging type, and maybe he was just caught off yeah, guard. Yeah, yeah. But um, but it also called to mind the uh, the human nature idea that that uh, Mr. C makes mention of with Bill Hastings' wife. That he says, yeah, you, you mimic human nature or whatever. Yeah. It seemed like Gordon couldn't quite mimic human nature here. It just got me thinking that maybe there's more to Gordon. Maybe Gordon is connected well, to something like with the, the lodges. It feels so abnormal that you're, yeah. you're supposed to draw attention to the fact that he's not behaving Yeah, he doesn't touch her. No. He, he just kind of looks at her funny. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you could read it very benignly on the surface, or you can go deeper and then he, but he, because he does then ask about that last night that you were talking about with DC. What yeah. is that? And she, she responds. She has to say it louder. That we'll have to have a private chat about that sometime. And again, uh, Laura Dern just delivers those two lines mm-hmm. sublimely, and yeah. she's still racked with pain and suffering. And then she just says, you know, like this. Here's the FBI. And downs her half the, a bottle of vodka. Well, that well little, the little mini bottle, little but mini still, bottle, but yeah, um, yeah. It's just it's it's great to watch her. Yeah, and, and you know. Lynch on screen. You know, I I, I completely go back on my statement uh, that I made last week about being disappointed in Diane's reveal because I think I want to see so much more of Diane (laughs) now. Yeah, it's so true, right? (laughs) Because, and I knew that it would be, I, all along, hearing all the rumors that, of course, Laura Dern was going to be playing Diane, um, I thought if anybody was going to play her, it would have to be Laura Dern. Yes. And she absolutely proved me right. knocking it out of the park, Absolutely. So we go back into the prison. Uh, Cooper gets walked back to his tell, cell, and he tells the guard that he wants to talk to the warden. About a strawberry. About a strawberry. Um, and then we leave that for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go back to Twin Peaks, and Andy is at the designated waiting spot. And we are getting um, the Laura's theme playing. Yes, the which was very interesting. score. Yeah. But it yeah. was great. Used very well. Oh, here. yes, yeah. It's perfect. Because, again, you're back in the woods, and yeah. it's foreboding. And, yeah, Andy's waiting there. He looks at his watch. It's 5.05, so yeah. this person's, this farmer guy has missed the, the deadline. And we get a quick shot back to the farmer's house. Yes. And a very brief snippet of ominous Drone ethereal music. droning. Yes. Yeah. Uh, as the door is kind of left open, and yeah. we're like, oh, he's definitely dead. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that's instantly. But I think that links it with with something supernatural. I think yeah. that it's it's the exact type of location where Lynch would set something bad like that would be in a farmhouse like this. You oh, know yes. what I mean? Yes, yes, so yes. it seems like that's what we're expected to. Believe. Oh, absolutely. The farmer um, is gone. Yeah. He met a terrible fate. Absolutely. But I mean, again, and. This again, it feels a little odd because again, Andy's just and if, he's alone. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's going to ostensibly find out who murdered a child, mm-hmm. and he goes alone mm-hmm. into a you know a abandoned little crossway. Like that yeah. just seems dumb. But anyways, yeah, uh, we go back to the warden's office. Yes, in the prison, Doppelkoop's arrived. His strawberry threat has once again borne fruit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fun. Uh, <laughs> he gets chained up, and the warden tells him, "I've turned off the cameras." And then we can talk privately. He pulls out a gun, points yeah. it at Cooper, just yeah. to just to cover his bases. Um, and then Cooper starts talking about this dog leg that they found in his trunk. He says, "The dog leg." 
That dog had four legs. One you found in my trunk. The other three went out with the information you're thinking about right now. To people you don't want coming around here if anything bad happens to me. So to me that means that uh, I don't know why there's only two people from three legs, but in any case, the legs have gone to people saying, if you don't get the other leg from me, Cooper, go and kill uh, the ah, woman or okay, something like yeah. that, right? I mean, that's the kind of implied threat. Um, the wood wants to know why or how. He, yeah, give me proof. Yeah, prove to me that you know about this. and, and Whatever this is. Whatever this is. I have no idea, yeah. And and Mr. C drops the name Joe McCluskey, and that causes the warden to sit down and... Drops and, his gun, and yeah. he's like, okay, yeah, let's deal. Um, what do you want? Yeah, yeah, And exactly. Coop lays out his terms. He wants a car, he wants a friend in the glove box, Got and him. he wants uh, uh, passage for him. for him and Ray Monroe. Yeah. Um, that night at 1 a.m., yeah. exactly. Yeah. Nice and quiet, right? Um, and then he says, if if I get hurt, uh, remember the dog legs. So again, yes. But he also he also says, I, it's not you that I want. Like, I'm not going to, once I leave, you will never hear from me again. And no one will ever hear anything more about Joe McCluskey or your late Mr. Strawberry. Which just, I mean, speculation has been rampant. Yes. People were saying all kinds of things. The latest theory that I like quite a bit is that it's Mr. Strawberry is the warden's dog. Which is really sad, yeah. but still, I mean, anything, it's up for, for grabs. We'd love to hear your theories about who Mr. Strawberry is. Yeah, I, I think actually kind of him as the dog would be great because it's like, I killed your dog. Uh, my associates have two of his legs, and if I don't, you know, whatever yeah. happens with those, they're going to come and kill you next. If, yeah, if, right. you know, maybe one of them is John Kluski. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows, right? Who knows? Um, but, but the warden is clearly uh, shaken up by yeah. this. and just gives in, Yeah, as we see in, in the later scene. But first, yes. we go back to Las Vegas and we get the uh, kind of a resolution on, on Dougie Jones's yeah. story here. So far. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's not many plot lines left for Dougie after this. It feels like there's still the insurance fraud, yeah. which we'll get into. But And this was interesting because, um, you know, as soon as we see it, I'm like, oh, we're back to Dougie. It's going to be boring again, right? It's not. <laughs> not at all. Uh, so he's at work. Janie's outside waiting for him in the... The know, courtyard the or courtyard whatever again. we want to call yeah, it. Whatever. Um, Dougie's ignoring Anthony again. Uh, Who's just more. standing there in his office waiting to talk to yeah, him. He's like, why aren't you talking to me? And Dougie's just scribbling off the paper onto yeah. the, the His desk board. pad or yeah, whatever. whatever it's called. Um, Janie marches in. Nope. Uh, first Rhonda comes in. I think Rhonda. Nope. Janie leaves the car first. Oh, so, yeah. There's yeah. a quick shot of Janie walking into the towards sure. the office. Um, yeah, but the there's, there's, the secretary comes in and says that there's cops here to see him and brings in... Well, it's interesting because she, she wants him to come, so she makes the, the motion for him to come, and he just mimics her again, again. And she's like, oh, you want them to come here? It's just another way another that Dougie. everybody is kind of accommodating Dougie's weirdness, right? But uh, then we get Detectives Fusco. <laughs> all the three, three of them. them. There are three Fuscos. Yeah. Um, one of them is played by... Uh, David Koechner. David Koechner, yeah. who's great, and we love him in almost all the movies yeah. he's been in. But Anchorman, obviously, is is high up on our list. Um, Dougie's enamored with their badges. Of course, yeah, he's just, he's just poking. And Janie comes in at this point. He saves and, the day. And we start talking about the car. They want to know about the car. When did your car go missing? And Janie is the one answering all the questions, obviously, because sure. Dougie can't. And we get through the course of this conversation. Bushnell Mullins comes in as well. And we find out that the car has been found, because we knew that from the last episode, that the car was involved in an explosion. 
there were three bodies inside, mm-hmm. and the bodies were those of a gang that were involved in car thefts. And Janie's like, well, there it is. There's your answer. I mean, that's obviously what happened. Someone stole his car and they blew it up. But she himself. she harps in on, on how stressful her life is and how stressful the day has been, and she talks these detectives out of making them stay to give a statement, which yeah, I think is just paperwork. another testament to... It's, it's totally unreal, and it really does lend some credence to the dream theory that Janie is this diminutive blonde and that she's able to talk down these three detectives just after she's talked down these two bookies um how is this happening how is that possible maybe Janie is just an amazing she could have been a sports agent like she would have hammered out those million dollar deals for those guys easily but either way uh they're able to leave right Mm -hmm. away and as they're walking out the door in the courtyard well, so the cop, one of the Fuscos, Fuscos, gives her a card on the way out. It just says, we can fill out the paperwork at your leisure. I just think, I just put that in there because I think it's going to come back in the next episode, potentially, that she has to deal with these cops again. Just so okay. There. Then, yes, they do exit. They're heading out into the courtyard, and Ike shows up with Ike a gun. Ike the Spike shows up with a gun. And, and Cooper, boy. who has been, up until this point, just catatonic, springs into action. Yeah, and then and pushes just, her aside. Yeah. Uh, wrenches the gun from Ike, you know, puts him on the ground, chops him in the throat yeah. once. Janie gets up and is starting to choke him and hit yeah. him too. Uh, and then as he's wrestling with the gun, we get a shot of, uh, of Cooper looking up slightly from the the, the Malay, and uh, the arm is there. The evolution of the arm uh, in miniature format. Yes, kind of growing up out of the sidewalk yeah, a little yeah. bit. And what is he saying to Cooper? Uh, squeeze his hand or something? Squeeze his hand off. Squeeze his hand off, um, which we'll come back to in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually, yeah, Cooper successfully pries the gun out of uh, Ike's hand. Ike runs away. And I just have to say, like, this this moment was what I, I think Tina, one of another one of our Twitter uh, friends, said that she suspected this would happen, yeah. that, that Ike or someone would make an attempt on Cooper's life, yeah. maybe Sonny Jim's life or Janie's life, yeah. and, they, and that's would when Cooper would it. spring into action. And man, did he look yeah. fierce doing it. Oh, it was yeah. like, oh my God, it's Cooper. It's like all of his instincts came back in yeah. that moment. It's like when he gut punched, what's her name? Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the chicken, the one-eyed jacks, <laughs> one-eyed exactly. But way, way better. Yeah, yeah. Like I clapped so hard, I yeah, think we my hand so still hurts. Like it was so exciting. But then it was such a letdown because we thought, okay, he's gonna, he sprung back into action. He's back. Yeah. And then no, he's right back to being Dougie as soon as Ike runs away. He just He looks up and he, he takes like this kind of meditative look up, closes his eyes, and then you know he's right back to being Dougie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Janie's fawning all over him, but he's he's not back. No. So if anything was going to finally push who we're seeing as Dougie into Cooper, it would have been this. It, does, it's a, it hasn't happened. Well, so. but I will say that um, anytime somebody has shown Cooper any type, any type of affection or kindness, he seems to respond to that. And it seems like there's some kind of growth happening in that regard. So when Janie tells him, I love you, and, and is hugging him, I think he does have a moment where he looks at her and there and it's more there's more there than that glazed over look. There's mm-hmm. some kind of a recognition bit, yeah. there of human contact. And I think I think that might be another thing that's going to bring him back. But um, we aren't done with with Cooper, I think, or with with Dougie. There's more going on here, I think. We're going to see more from the the mob bosses oh, yeah, at the sure. the hotel. Yes. Um and there's still somebody like just because Ike has been down doesn't mean that Duncan Todd is finished with sending out hits on him. Like, there could be more coming. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of opportunity for 
for Cooper to reassert himself. Yeah. But I think what's more interesting is that when all the cops show up and the cameras start rolling and we get newsreel footage, like this is, and it's shot like like a camera yeah. that, you know, a TV camera interviewing witnesses after an attack or something. Yeah, it felt very much like uh, the kind of point of view shots or up close shots from Inland Empire where yeah. it's almost like a distorted yeah, like fish, view. Like a yeah, like fish island. island. Kind of, yeah. But it also reminded me, the very first shot after it's dark and you see the, the police lights show up, the camera kind of jerks a little shake, bit yeah. the same way as when... Uh, in Mulholland Drive, when we get Diane's story mm-hmm. reasserting after the whole yes. Betty and Rita pre- preamble that yeah. we went through, yeah. um, once we get the real world yeah. crashing in on yeah. Diane, yeah. that's the camera view of her fireplace in in the living room of that mm-hmm. little cottage. That's the same feeling that we got here. Yeah. So, and then we get a bunch of other weird shots, vignette shots that are really like film noir, yeah. um, focusing in on what looks like a piece of flesh that's stuck to the gun. Yeah, or something. Which we couldn't really it. figure out if that is coming from. Because we, yeah, we rewound Ike. it, and yeah. it does not look like in the shot where he removes the gun from Ike's hand that there's anything either on the gun or there's no bleeding or, or right. wound on, on Ike's hand. So, you know. The implication when I first watched it was that squeeze his hand off was like literally squeeze his hand into the yes. gun and then leave a piece of it there and that's what happens. Yeah. But when we watched it again, either they just didn't want to show that in gruesome detail sure. in that initial scene um, and then you're supposed to presume that it happened. Yeah. Or it's something else. Again, it could be that the real world, um, Ike or Cooper left some sort of physical residue from being a lodge spirit. Oh, maybe. You know, like maybe there's something else connecting the two of them maybe. Uh, in the real world again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, mean, I, I think I think that's borne out a little bit in some of the interviews that uh, happened, where, especially with the little girl who says that yeah. Ike smelled funny. Yeah. And I had to think, at first I'm like, oh, it's just body odor probably. Like, you know, smelling He's been running around stabbing people. Sure. <laughs> but what if it's scorched engine oil that yeah. she smells? Oh, and that's, what if he's yeah. a large entity or a large related, large adjacent, I think is the word that I've been using. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's that's another thing that's... And we do get the mention that Dougie moved like a cobra, which right. is where now the name has... Yes, he is now stick. the cobra. The cobra cooper. But I have to wonder, It's I'm not the one to come up with this, but uh, I have to wonder if this is going to make the national news and if somehow someone in Twin Peaks is going to see Dougie on TV and think, oh, hmm. it's a like Agent Cooper. Yeah. Or maybe Hawk is going to be watching TV. Maybe it'll be Nadine. Maybe it'll be the mob bosses. Maybe it'll be maybe the mob bosses. That could be. I mean, the other thing... And this is just my outlandish thing, how I would plot it, which is terrible. I hope Mark Frost and David Lynch are better writers than me. But, you know, Janie, when they were walking out of the out of the office, she was saying, you can't uh, gamble any more of that jackpot. Right. This is for our future and everything. I feel like because he was such a hero and he saved her and he was so awesome that she's like, okay, you can go spend a little bit more. Yeah. And so he's going to go back to the Silver Mustang. Maybe. She's going to drop him off there, say, have some fun. And then that's yes. when the, the mob bosses be. are coming back for him, right? So... Because I, I think, yeah, the de- the mob is definitely... Yeah, we haven't seen the last else. of those two. No, so... I hope we haven't. No. Because they were great. They were good. Robert Nepper and Jim Belushi. <sighs> so evil, it's great. It was awesome. Yeah. Anyway, um, we go back to Twin Peaks, and mm-hmm. we spend the rest of... Well, pretty much the rest of it, with mm-hmm. one the exception of one brief scene, the rest of the episode in Twin Peaks. We yeah. get at the Great Northern we hear this droning sound that yeah. begins as what we think is maybe non-diegetic. It's it's a drone that makes you think, oh, something bad is going to happen. Um, but immediately when we get into Ben's office, we see Ben and Beverly listening. They're looking for the source of the sound. Yeah. And it's a great use of, of this kind of 
divide between diegetic and non-diegetic. Well, like, and, and I'd mentioned, I think, in the last episode or two that, like, it seems like every sound yes. exists in the world. Yes. Everything that we hear is something the characters are hearing, Yeah. Too. There's occasionally the music, maybe they aren't, but even then... You know, I think they were listening to Take Five. No, that I, in the I, morning. I honestly think Laura Palmer's theme just plays in yes, this, in, yes. in Twin Peaks. That's I honestly saying. believe if you walk down Main Street in Twin no, Peaks, no, you, you see would her picture that song. wherever it yep, is. Exactly, Bobby started crying because he heard the actual yep, song. Exactly, like, like yeah. I, 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 I totally believe that. Yeah. I think that is not a stretch at all because it's just so intrinsic to what we're seeing. Yeah. Um, and, and that's that's this scene, right? Yes. Like they're looking for the source of this sound, and it's and not. So describe the sound. Well, I just call it the UFO sound because it's very reminiscent of the dream sequence in the third episode of the original series, where uh, the UFO kind of flies in the background while yeah. a little man in another place is rubbing his hands or yes. something, and Cooper's just sitting there. It's definitely not the electricity sound. No, it's not like a, a, an it's electronic a, droning no. deep baritone sound it's a buzz almost yeah, it sounds a like hum. a lamp yeah you know what and yeah. and when when i said the word hum immediately i i'm brought back to josie because mm-hmm. the very first shot we get of josie in twin peaks she's humming and is the last this shot josie? Yeah, josie is in the wood at the great northern <laughs> exactly maybe she's humming there so too. is this is this i mean i i put it to john too i'll put it to you do you think it's josie is it coming from the wood is it coming from the lamp it could be coming from yeah the key, because the key, we do get the yes, key back in this yes. episode. So what I, do you I, think? Yeah, I, I, I have no idea. All have of those no are idea. awesome, and I could do anything. I feel like Josie definitely is playing some sort of role in the way it focuses on mm-hmm. the wood and the paneling. But it could be the light. They focus on the light, too. And the lamp is... The lamp and the way the light shows resembles the owl cave ring. It does, diagram, doesn't it? Which is just such a nice touch. Like, the angles are just... Ugh! Obvious shots. Um, but yeah, it's definitely interesting. So what happens in the scene first? Well, they, they just look around the office for... Well, they walk around. Yeah, yeah, looking for the source of this sound. No, here, no, it's over there. And they just It's they cute, around. and it's there's some sexual tension here mm-hmm. that um, is interesting because yeah. Ben acts more uh, gentlemanly than I yeah. would have expected him to act. Yeah. At least the Ben that we know. So maybe he has stuck to his being good. Yes, he's not eating carrots anymore. But he's not taking advantage of the situation because he knows that Beverly is married. Even though Beverly seems like she's good to go. Oh yeah, um, for sure. She she does give off some signals, but it's uh, it's kind of an interesting scene because um, just because of that, because of where we think Ben will go and where we actually go. He dismisses her for the evening, says, "Call me Ben," which is friendly, but not unprofessional. No. And it, there's yeah. some flirtation, and obviously they are looking around for it's. It's kind of like a little scavenger hunt or something. Like it's cute. It's like this little secret they're going to be involved in, trying to find the source. It's it's adorable, but but yeah, with that sexual undertone, it it feels like this is this is grown up. Twin Peaks grown up. Twenty five yeah. years later. Yeah. This right? is yeah. This is again Ben playing with the new girl. Yeah, but he's a little. He's grown up. Yeah. Yeah. He's not, he's not really he's an into elder it. statesman. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so we do get the room key. Yes. Uh, she says, oh, what about this? This one arrived in the mail today. It did arrive today. She does say that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah I, think I wasn't so. sure when it arrived because I was thinking that maybe the key was related to the sound. Absolutely. But I think she said that the sound has been happening for a week. Yes. Or she's yeah. been hearing it for a week. Yeah. So if the key only arrived that day, maybe it's not. But Perhaps it's not. louder today, she did say. Yes. But maybe that's because nobody's around. Um, but maybe the key has something to do with it. Yeah. Anyway, she shows Ben the key. Yeah, and he and he immediately uh, reflects, saying, "Oh yeah, this that was the one where Agent Cooper was killed." Yeah, she, or where he that. wasn't killed. Or shot. Shit. Jeez. Shot. And and then she's like, "Who is Agent Cooper?" Well, he was investigating Laura Palmer's murder. 
Who's Who's Laura Palmer? And he's like, oh, that's a story for another time. So clearly she's not a townie. She's not a local. She doesn't know these stories. It's interesting because we follow her in the next scene. Yes, we do. Um, Do you want to just cut right there? So we follow her. She arrives home, and it seems like a big house. Yeah, it does. It looks stately. There's there's a stone Stone wall. facade and and everything. Yeah, all this stuff. Not Nadine Hurley. This is not Norma's house. This is not Shelley's house. This is a big house, right? Yeah, and and so she meets a nurse there named Marge, presumably a nurse or caregiver of some sort. Uh, she asks how he's doing, presumably her husband. Um, nurse says, not so great, didn't eat. He, I had to give him extra pain meds and everything. And then we go in, we follow her in, and inside is her husband, Tom. Mm-hmm. And he he's an invalid, he looks. He looks very sick. There's a there's a hospital bed set up. He's on an the, IV, and he yeah. doesn't have any hair. So again, I immediately assumed it was cancer. We've yeah. got a lot of sick people yeah. in these And a lot of wheelchair shows. people. Yeah. You know, there was the... Linda has been mentioned. Uh, Tom now with the wheelchair. Tom now. There was the character in the Beulah's place right. who was in the wheelchair. Yeah. Um, yeah, th- there's... Again, yeah. David Lynch and disability. We can talk about that later. But um, yeah, and so they start talking... And he's he's asking why are you late? Very suspicious. Very suspicious, for good reason. I think he knows her his wife probably, and he knows that she wouldn't stick around at work unless there was something there, keeping her attention. Right, and especially since he's sick and maybe not giving her the attention that she needs or that she feels she deserves. Yeah, and she gets pissed. She's yeah. like, don't tell, don't fuck this up for me. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really kind of a heartbreaking scene because. If you ever had to care for someone who's chronically ill or dying or, you know, anything like this, it can be really emotionally draining and it can be really hard um, on both parties. Mm-hmm. You know, he's worried that he's going to lose his emotional support, probably his financial support, literally, yeah. um, and his physical supports. And she's probably resenting him for needing her so much, yeah. right? So it's it's just a shitty situation all around. Yeah, it very very much reminds me of Ed and Nadine from mm-hmm. first season, but with much more, this is on the surface. The the anger and the emotion is not hidden. We're not well, just angry sense, about... Yeah. Nadine wasn't really angry about the drape runners, you know? She was angry about a lot more things. But, but, She's cheating on But Nadine was a Norma. mental illness. Yes, was, of course. There's it, a lot of differences, yeah. but... And but Ed, Ed was never angry. Whereas here I get... No. They're both... He's playing yes. a little form passive aggressively. She's getting upfront about her anger, um, but yeah, it's it's messy. But that's what I'm saying. It's more on the surface. That's what yeah. we're getting. Yeah. Is we're getting the the 21st century version of of See, I still Nadine think that's, and Ed's That's Frank story. and Debbie, or what's his name? Doris. Doris. Frank and Doris. Is close. <laughs> yeah, no, and that could be too. I, th- I think we're going to get a lot of these dynamics. This mm-hmm. is going to be updated. It's grown up. This is Twin Peaks in the 21st century. We're going to get 21st century problems, right? So. Um, but yeah, it's, it's again, uh, and again, you get their whole relationship in yeah. three minutes again, just perfect. And it's great because even though these are brand new characters, and yes, it would be great if we saw Audrey, and it would be fantastic if we saw Ed, or had another scene with Jerry. I want to find out where yeah, the hell Jerry's going. going. Jerry? What, what's up with him? Um, all of a sudden, I feel like I want to know more about Beverly and Tom. Yeah. These are two new Twin Peaks characters I now care a lot about. Yeah. Like Bill Hastings. What the hell is happening with Bill Hastings, you right? have seen him in six episodes. Yeah, <laughs> so I mean, this is this is what I think um, this 18-hour movie is doing, is it's it's allowing us to, to play around. And as Joel Bacco has said, it's a place where you, you can dive in and nestle in and get lost in these corners. Beverly and Tom is another one of these corners that we can... Kind of get lost in, which is fantastic. I'm loving that we can luxuriate in this. Yeah.
just like the next scene where we can luxury. We have no choice but to luxury. Sweeping the floor of the roadhouse with Booker T and the MG's Green Onions playing over the speakers. And we asked when we were watching, like, okay, we paused and we're like, okay, there's seven minutes left on the, on the screen. Could he stretch it out for seven minutes? Could this be the closing credits? Because it's at the bookhouse. That's yep. where a lot of them have ended. We're like, yes. No, not the bookhouse, the roadhouse. Roadhouse, sorry. Yeah. And we're like, yes, he could do that. David Lynch could conceivably show us sweeping for seven minutes. He what doesn't, though, because yeah. we get a phone call. Yeah. And to Jean-Michel. Jean-Michel Renault, yeah. who is clearly still dealing in the prostitution. The vices of Twin Peaks. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. We get a little bit, of t- a tidbit of information that the Renaults have owned the roadhouse for 57 years. This is something that they've been doing for a long time, and they're not going to be brought down by a couple of straight-A students. I'm not sure what the issue is here, that these girls were not what the guy ordered or he's not the guy on the other end doesn't want to pay for, for two, two girls um and Jean-Michel explains that maybe because he was worried about getting caught with underage possibly, girls possibly because it possibly. sounds like you know, they were 15 it does make me wonder because we had in the original series Jean Renault made a move on One-Eyed Jacks which was the Canadian brothel that um Ben and Jerry owned and here we have the Roadhouse which is not a brothel but it's a, a prostitution hub for the Renaults. If these two universes are still linked, and there's some debate about that even, is this part of the Renault prostitution empire? Mom, Mom Pa Renault must be so proud of their boys <laughs> and what they managed to do. But it is nice to see uh, the actor. Yeah, please. Walter Walter Okowitz, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the way that he's portraying Jean-Michel feels a lot like Jacques. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, there's a, a, it's very different, too. Well, he's grown up again. Yeah. It's, it's again, yeah. his characters are 25 years older, so yeah. he's not, he's fielding complaints from clients. Like, yeah, he's not, exactly. He's, not, he's Ben Horn worrying about the skunk for, you know, <laughs> yeah. like it's, it's, it's that kind of thing. There's, there's like a solid business behind yeah. this, which is yeah. weird to think about, but it is, right? Yeah, exactly. And he's sick and tired of having to deal with this shit, right? Yeah. So, um, so that's really great. <laughs> I uh, guess. If you want to I, I, and I really do love this scene because, uh, again, like I said in our intro, um, it really does force you to slow down and kind of ruminate and sit. And it's a scene you just have to sit back and experience. I mean, who doesn't love listening to Green Onions? I've listened to Green Onions for yeah, 10 minutes. It's, it's a great song. I'm always sad that it's only three minutes long and it ends too quickly. So from there, though, we go back to the prison and yeah. we get uh, Dom Coop getting released. Yeah. Um, and there's another beautifully done oh, it's shot, shot of, of the hallway. He gets with released. With the flashlight from, at the end, yeah. just a cop with the flashlight shining on. And the gates are opening oh, and DC steps out and Ray beautiful. comes down. Just just beautifully shot. I don't know if it's worth noting. I'm going to say it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in cell number 27. Yeah. For what it's worth. There's numbers. Just noting the numbers, numbers. in case I go back and listen to my podcast. Pay attention. Older podcast episodes. the sounds episodes. and the numbers. Yeah, the giant didn't say it. Well, the giant did talk about numbers, though. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, they go outside. And they're, they're dressed back in their regular clothes. Now, this is kind of important for my pet theory, which is it. that uh, we have seen the events out of order. That uh, everything that happened in Buckhorn uh, with Bill Hastings' arrest uh, actually happened the day Cooper was threatening the uh, warden and now he gets released so that would mean 
that's why Doppelkoop can be in Buckhorn to kill uh, Phyllis. Phyllis, Bill Hastings' wife, at the end of the day. So you're, you're saying two. that this he leaves prison now and that he's going to go and kill Phyllis. He goes and kills Phyllis Because it's night. Saturday night. You're yeah. saying that this is taking place on a Saturday night. And slash Sunday morning, yes. Phyllis has just left the prison and she's going home and Mr. C and Ray are going to get in their rental car that the warden has provided and drive to the Hastings house so that he can kill Phyllis? Yes. Yes. Okay. Because I, that's just how things have lined up so far based on the previous comments, especially in episode one and two. Or parts one and two, uh, but who knows? I could be way off. This could be twenty. He is wearing later. a different shirt, but it's it's possible that he. Well, yeah, but Ray is wearing the same thing Ray as he is was wearing the same in thing. part two, uh, and Cooper was wearing the same thing in part two for both parts. So when he kills Phyllis and when he was in the diner, yeah, he's wearing that snakeskin shirt. Snakeskin shirt. Here so, he's wearing just a, a white Henley T-shirt. Yeah, it looks yeah. like, but um, he could have. Yeah, could be in the car. We don't know. Could be a continuity error. Could be a continuity error. Speaking of continuity errors. <laughs> Yes. We get so, the final scene of the episode, which yeah. does not take place in the roadhouse. We are, we are introduced to it from a flying overhead shot of the woods at night, yeah. um, which is significant. We get, you know, the woods, we get, I thought I heard the sound of owls or, or bird calls anyway. That droning sound, it also sounded a little bit like a telephone, like the old rotary telephones when you get the, mm. when you dial the, the number and, and then yeah. the, the yeah, wheel yeah, turns back. back. Yeah. Um, but when we get into the diner, it's hopping. Mm-hmm. It looks like a Saturday night. Yeah. And we get Santo and Johnny's song Sleepwalk playing maybe over the jukebox. But Shelly's behind the counter. Heidi's serving customers around the edge. Um, and somebody comes to the door, rushes into the, the diner, and asks, has anybody seen Billy? I think he says Billy. Yeah, we think the Billy. subtitle said Bing. I'm pretty sure that I read that Sabrina Sutherland, who's the executive producer, has said that that was an error in the subtitles that it actually is Billy because the character um, who comes in is played by Riley Lynch and he's credited as Bing. So it doesn't make any sense that he'd come in asking about himself. Yeah. Unless he's also high like Jerry, but who knows? It's possible. So we have no idea who Billy is. We don't know who Bing is. We don't know. This is kind of reminding me of a throwaway line like uh, in the last episode of season two. When the security guard picks up the phone and says, it's a boy! Right. It's a boy! It's just yeah. this thing that just happens. You're never going to get any tie back to it. But we might get we tie might. back here because I think everything is purposeful. And this is this is a great segue. way too much faith into it, yeah. No, I, I, I do have a lot of faith in Lynch and Frost. So I do think that this is intentional and I do think that we're going to get more of Bing. And I think I think maybe Bing is the name of the farmer. That maybe the farmer. It could be. That's what I assumed was that. Has anybody seen him? Because he's gone. He's not yeah, and the guy who anything. runs in. I mean, you don't get a clear shot of him, but it looks like he's wearing a, a like a farmer's hat, a trucker hat, or something mm-hmm. like that. So, um, now something that's really interesting that was brought to my attention on Reddit was that um, the diner scene changes from the establishing shot. We get a cutaway to the other side of the diner from roughly above where Norma is sitting in the back corner. And when we cut back, after Bing has come in and asked about Billy, when we cut back to that same establishing shot, the camera's in the same location, but all the diner patrons have changed positions. Mm. Now, that, to me, does not seem like a continuity error. Aiden, you and I disagreed on this. Initially. But after we watched it again, just before recording this podcast, I think I won you over. Well, and I think... Continuity errors happen when there's a complex shot. Yeah. And either two things. Uh, it's so complex that there's just bound to be errors. Yeah. 
um, or you have to film it again. Right. I don't see how you would have to film this scene no, again. No, this isn't. It, it's, it's it's a, a static camera static shot. shot of a, some extras walking around yes. or eating and talking, and then Shelley going up and down. And Norma yeah. could have been filmed at any time in any yeah. place, right? right? So I feel like if uh, like there's no reason to film it again. Like, no, and there's like no, and, and I can't I can't imagine that the that the actors moved places and weren't corrected. Yeah, like I've I've. I have very little experience on film sets. The one time that I was on a film set, it was me. It was for a documentary that I filmed in our house. I was the only person in it. <laughs> yeah. And the director of that, it was a, it was a, a like, what, 15 hours? We were filming yeah. a, what ended up being a nine-minute documentary. Yeah. And he was meticulous about the yeah. placement of this plant and my and, computer and, and everything. Like we're talking about Lynch yes, here exactly. who does everything for a purpose. He's going to notice if the guy sitting directly in front of the camera is now all of a sudden not sitting directly in front of the camera. If he does that and allows it to go into the final shot, there's a reason for it. Yeah. And, so, and I feel like the reason everyone's just laying it off as, a, as continuity errors is because the scene feels like a throwaway. But we does. could very well follow uh, Riley Lynch as... Uh, what's his name? Zip Zing. Bing. Bing. Jeez. <laughs> Names, Zip. Lindsay. You know I'm not good. Uh, <laughs> we follow Bing as he races down the streets of Twin Peaks sure. to find uh, Billy. Billy and then discover Billy dead in a quarter. And right. that's a, and then there's this a dramatic be a change, yeah, yeah, between the 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 Bing who first walked in and the one who leaves. Right. We don't know. I mean, right now at the end of. Some episodes we're getting scenes that just feel like throwaways, like Cooper standing outside Lucky Seven uh, yeah, office looking building, up looking at the, at the statue. statue. But no, that's where we pick up the next episode. So perhaps yeah. this is important, and we're supposed to notice this change. No, um, I mean there. I don't have any theories as to why, why this is, aside from the one that we've talked about in the past that maybe there are alternate parallel universes or realities being played out against one another and in one reality this guy is sitting here and this girl is sitting here and Shelly is standing right there but in this reality they've all switched places and everything else is the same but just the location of the patrons have, have changed mm-hmm. um, I could see that playing out I don't know why that <laughs> would happen yeah. I mean it, it. we've seen a lot of weird shit happening the key that Jade mailed Apparently, it was mailed the day before, and I don't know about the U.S. Postal Service. In Canada, I mean, that doesn't in, happen. That does not happen. I'm still waiting for packages that my grandma sent to me, <laughs> and she lives five minutes away. So, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know how a key could get from Las Vegas to Seattle in less than 24 hours. But um, well, mystical powers. Yeah, absolutely. But, Somebody I mean, suggested last night maybe the Black Lodge has branched out into the U.S. Postal <laughs> Service. Now they're they're. <laughs> they're the ones uh, who conducting mail fraud mail. to get their carbonbos. Yeah, yeah be you know, pain and suffering. People get mad. <laughs> yeah. You know, Aiden, you, your, your yes, dad live, was a Canada well, Post employee. Yes, employee for many years, and I live with you who gets upset when something isn't delivered on the minutes that it was promised. So Absolutely. I expect results. <sighs> of course you do. Anyway, um, it's just it's just interesting to notice and, and and to bring up because we could be seeing something more and, and I and I really do think that people who are expecting this to be linear and taking and they're taking everything at face value that is absolutely one way that you could take it but i think For you're missing now, out I, yes. I feel like by the end of the show we're going to probably be reevaluating everything absolutely as as we come back to it yeah. so yeah i mean it's worth noting i think it that's another thing that's worth noting but this final scene was great. I thought it set the tone for this this diner 
dropping. Uh, it's it brought back that vibe that we got, but it's it, it but feels updated. like 50s diner. Yes, but updated because but grown it's up. you know it's yeah. it's it's a place where a guy can run in. Has anybody seen him get an answer and then yeah. run out? You yeah. know, it still feels small town, but yeah. a small town hyped up on 2017 steroids. You know, like well, in Chinese designer drugs. Exactly. Right? Yeah, it's just different. <laughs> Put it out to John again. Yes. Uh, our our resident podcast expert, who also works here 25 years later. And if you haven't been checking out his podcast column, you really should do so because um, it might mean that you don't have to listen to us every week. Yeah, you just you read find someone... his comments about our show and get the gist of it. He's doing find a fantastic somebody who's job. Much better. Yeah, that, that too. <laughs> There's some great podcasts out there. We love them. Yeah. And yeah, John does a great job every week. He listens to all the Twin Peaks podcasts. I don't know how he does it. I don't know. Well, no, well, I know exactly how he does it. He listens at one and a half speed or two, or two times, times speed. speed yeah. So that's a nifty little life hack. It's a lot wanna... of chipmunks, though, I have to say. Well, it doesn't change the tone of your voice. It only does. It just speeds it up. So anyway, we put our questions to him. Yes. Three okay. questions. He'll give us three answers. He will tell us three things. Yes. First question. What is going on with the noise in Ben's office? John says, I think with all the lodge upheaval, the spirits are getting restless, mm. even the ones inside the wood of the Great Northern. What do you think the odds are that everything goes up in flames before the end? Huh. Oh, very good. And I mean the Great Northern as well as the lodges. Oh, I think that's, that is uh, excellent. I feel like, I, yes, there could be a, a cataclysm coming for yeah, all I hadn't, parties. Yeah, I hadn't considered that. I really do think that there is something to the theory that um, the, the, the population of Twin Peaks being so large... That that includes all the spirits that reside, all the mm-hmm. souls in Twin Peaks, even the ones that live in the woods, and that's uh, in the wood, sorry, in the wood itself, mm-hmm. and that the spirits get recycled or something. So there's always a static number, 51,201 souls yeah. in Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah. So if there were to be a giant fire at the Great Northern, think of all the spirits that would be released yeah. from the wood. Yeah. I think that would be a, a very interesting way to cap off the series. Absolutely. Look for it in hour 17. No, I don't know. <laughs> and also, I mean, I yeah, I think Josie definitely is there. I feel like she's definitely one of the spirits oh, yeah. now. Uh, so, yeah, could have been her as well. Yeah, I like the idea yeah. that it's that the humming is related to Josie. Another theory that, that uh, people have thought of is that because it focuses on the wall, but you're not sure if you're supposed to look at the paneling or what's behind the paneling, because we know that Audrey used to slink around behind... The paneling as well so we haven't seen audrey yet mm. but is she there is she listening mm. in is that the connection maybe like she it. has some kind of you know if she did birth the son of satan <laughs> um, maybe she has some kind of residual lodge energy in her and maybe she's the source of the i don't know that's Could a stretch be. but i mean we haven't seen audrey yet that's that's oh that's another thing about this episode though mm-hmm. audrey's getting pointed to not i mean obviously frank talked to uh, Doc, Hayward. Doc Hayward, who pointed him towards Audrey. So right. I feel like they're going to Audrey next episode. I feel yeah, like I think she'll be... Prediction. Yeah, next that's your, that's your prediction. Yeah, that's Not it. a ridiculous prediction, but... Mm-hmm. A, it's close. It'll it's, probably be hour 15 when we see her. Yeah, I know. Anyways. Number two, who is Mr. Strawberry? 
Mr. Strawberry is a totally mundane, non-supernatural situation that was somehow inspired by Doppelkoop's mad puppet mastering to make sure he always had a warden in his pocket when he needed one. And that could be two. I, I'm not sure how oh, it relates yeah. specifically to this warden. Um, I had theorized that maybe Mr. Strawberry is the warden's dog. Yes. But, uh, you I know. assumed it was just a piece of blackmail. That, yes. And I assumed, I went back and rewatched the... Uh, Part two, when he hacks into the Yankton yes. Federal Prison, I thought, you know, he seems like he's just downloading schematics, but I thought maybe he downloaded the profile of the, the warden and got the information that he would need to blackmail the warden right. as well. Um, which is but it seems like Mr. Strawberry is the name, like that's an important name. It sounds like a childhood figure, like a, an imaginary well, it be, friend. You know, it could be an actual person named Mr. Mr. Strawberry. Mr. Strawberry, could be, yeah. Yeah, but yeah it could yeah. be. Who knows? Number three. What happened the last time Cooper and Diane met? That's a big question. John agrees with us. I'm going to assume sexual or mental assault until I hear otherwise, but it doesn't mean I want this answer. <laughs> Have you thought of any other angles to protect Diane from that fate so I can less rest a little easier? Sorry, John. Sorry, John. We, we just went anything. darker, if anything. Yeah. yeah. So I really think that that is that is the answer that we're we're going to get to. Um, I really can't think of anything less awful. Yeah. It's all it's all pretty awful. I think yeah. I think just knowing what we know about Diane, yeah, she she's she's tough. such a strong character. Yeah, I don't think she's be shaken ha- by something. No, it would have to be something really bad that yeah. would shake her like that. Um, or she's grown tougher because of something awful, and it wouldn't be something like he didn't water her plants. You know, like it's going to be something bad. <laughs> I don't know. I was just thinking <laughs> that would be a great turnaround if it was like you didn't water my plants in my house. That's not it, but That's I'm just not saying. not it at all. <laughs> I just, I would laugh if that was it, but um, yeah, we can't be that lucky, I don't think. No, I think it's going to be dark, and I think, I really do think that we're going to get hints of something bad happening with Audrey. I'm really hoping that this is all red herring shit, and we're going to get totally bamboozled, and the end of part eight is going to drop a major bombshell right before the holiday weekend, and it could. we could end up with something that's going to totally set our heads spinning. Oh, I guarantee you. I just hope it's Audrey Horn arriving on this. Oh, I, I do too. I, I really do think that people are upset. The people that people are upset over Audrey's disappearance or non, non-appearance, let's say. But she's a fan favorite. You can't mm. expect that people aren't going to miss her. Yes, absolutely. So um, we really are hoping that, that we're going to see Well, and she's a Lynch soon. favorite too. She Lynch is, really yes. loved her character. You Created the her. character for her. So. Yeah. so I feel like it's it's going to be big when she comes yeah. back for sure. Yeah, I think so. So any last thoughts for this episode? I got nothing. Yeah, I got nothing. I My brain's still a little bit melted, um, but I really did enjoy this episode, and mm-hmm. I feel like we are, like uh, everybody's been saying, this is the start of Act 2. We're heading into some really good stuff. This is the meat and potatoes part of where all these, these plot lines are potentially going to start uh, coalescing and mm-hmm. coming into their own. And, yeah, 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 weaving together into some massive tapestry that will be Twin Peaks to Return. If you're enjoying the show and want to join the conversation, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bickeringpeaks, all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter, that's at bickeringpeaks. Or you can head over to iTunes and leave us a review or comment. We'd love to hear from you.